Welcome to The Watching Dead, the officially unofficial podcast for The Walking Dead on AMC. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. You can find everything we do at baldmove.com because we are part of the Bald Move Network. Uh, this episode, we're covering Season 3, Episode 11 of Walking Dead, entitled, I Ain't a Judas. I Ain't No Judas. No, it's I Ain't A Judas, which... I Ain't I would, a Judas? I would think I Ain't No Judas would be more accurate. Uh, but who knows? I don't like the uh, name for this episode very much. Um, if you're a Judas on speed, would you betray the Christ twice as fast? <laughs> you probably would, <laughs> I'd imagine. With maniacal attention to detail? Yes. Uh, so, with your maniacal attention to detail, what did you think of this episode? Ah, uh, wow, just blown pr- past the news, blown past the... Do you have news? I uh, just want to remind people the Bald Move contest is okay. still running strong. If you want to find out more, uh, go to baldmove.com slash contest. Did we sticky that article yet? To figure out how you can win a Kindle Fire from us. That Bald should be Move. at the top. People want to know. It's right there. I'm not going to talk any more about it because it's at baldmove.com slash contest. Okay. Is that all you have? That's all I have. All right. What did you think of the episode? I... Okay, so I might have to revise my spoiler theory because I've been on record as saying spoilers can't spoil anything. <laughs> okay. you know, it's like it's it's scientifically proven that spoilers don't really d- reduce your enjoyment of watching something unless that content is mediocre. <laughs> Nuts and bolts type yeah. stuff because I feel like this would be in the seven neighborhood. So you're it's saying- kind of a five for me because I knew I was getting – I was kind of bored and restless because I knew – what was happening? I knew exactly what was going to happen. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of art uh, involved in it, so yeah. I mean, this was just kind of a. It getting... was logistics. It was setting it up for next episode, right? It's the old man in his canoe. He's got the bag of grain and the duck on one bank and the wolf on the other. Yep. He's just moving them around. And uh, so Herschel's the old man. Who's the canoe? <laughs> Andrea. Andrea's the canoe. She's getting ridden by the governor. So there is that. Yeah, the governor's or the, maybe the other the way around. The governor's the wolf. The governor's getting ridden by her, almost killed. Yeah, <laughs> who's Carl, the chicken? Carl's the bag of grain. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. Probably Glenn. I'd say no, Poindexter. Shit Poindexter. on that boat, and it's Merle. Point. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the racist sack of shit is definitely Merle. Okay. Anyway, this analogy has gone too far. Are you ready to get into the recap? Yes. Okay. What did you think? You didn't say what you thought. Oh, uh, yeah, mediocre. Um, I'm right in the middle. Five is a good yeah. number. Uh, like I said, logistics. It's hopefully going to pay off next episode and uh, the finale. Or no, not the finale. We got like five more episodes to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully, it's going to pay off next episode with some sort of movement in the plot. All right. Uh, so we start off this episode in the prison where. Your friendly neighborhood Sheriff Rick gets told by Merle that he can't stop the governor. No one can stop the governor. Uh, and Herschel tries to set Rick straight. In, a, in what I thought was an awesome scene, get I loved her. seeing Herschel get pissed about something. Yeah. We haven't seen really that much, I don't know, gusto from Herschel in a while. He went Gandalf on the opposite of you shall not pass was you need yeah. to get back here. But that's kind yeah. of, you know, summoned that kind of fury. and Yeah, uh, I, I just enjoy Do not Herschel's take character. me for a consumer of mixed drinks. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, Herschel drinks whiskey mm. for sure. There's uh, just a little of that of late, I'm sure. So this is like the first... 
obviously. It's the first scene, but it's the first occurrence of someone speaking to Rick about his leadership. And we will see in the very next scene his son speaking to him about it in an entirely different way, Mm -hmm. saying you don't need to be the leader anymore. Give that up. Let Daryl and Herschel take care of things. Right. Uh, Doesn't even mention Glenn, because apparently Glenn's off the rails enough to not be considered a leader. Mm. Well, I mean, he's all in team. I mean, the Glenn Surrection is over. Yeah. He's all about, you know, supporting Rick and whatever he does this episode. Which is shocking. If Rick says we're not running, we're not running, y'all. Yeah, if Rick says I got to sleep next to Merle, I'm going to sleep next to Merle. What? Yeah. I don't know. He doesn't seem to be as pissed about Merle this episode. Mm, well, actually... A he, little bit, but... I was going to say, at one point, is it this scene that he tries to basically tell Rick that we should trade him in? I think that's later on. Okay. Um, when I've actually got some problems with that. When we get there, we'll talk about it. Okay. Uh, so, uh, like I said, Carl comes out to uh, tell him to stop being the leader. Uh, Rick's on the lookout here. He's kind of checking things out with binoculars. Yep. And you see something flash in the he woods. Does. He does. The quickest way to lose track of something that you see through binoculars is to take the binoculars away from your eyes. Right. What are they doing? That's such a trope, though. It is. It's like you see something in binoculars, you're just like, I'm going to use my normal, <laughs> unenhanced human eyes. Yeah. What? Now let me go try to find it again. Oh, shit, I lost it. Yeah. Not yeah. a surprise. So uh, I was pretty clear confused. they're being watched or, I mean... Yeah, I mean, there is mention of, like... The governor probably having scouts out on the road and stuff. So I imagine he's got a scout looking at them at the we prison. Don't, we don't hear that from the governor himself. No, no, no. We hear it from another character who said he probably has it. Right. It's Merle. He doesn't know shit about shit. He, well, maybe. I mean, he was part of the governor's crew. He That's, might know a little about how his, he operates. Yeah, but, I mean, this is not exactly SOP. How many times has he run against an armed, hostile band? SOP? Yeah, Standard, standard Operating oh. Procedures. Okay. Whoa, I'm only like 10 minutes in the cast, and this drink is hitting me like a freight train. Ah, <laughs> oh, jeez, I better read faster. Yeah, you might want to tell me to slow down every <laughs> once in a while. Give me like a sign. Okay. Less drinky. Uh, it was a little confusing to me what Rick was thinking when Carl told him that he doesn't need to be the leader. Yeah, well, I mean, I have that problem with Andrew Lincoln's performance this season. You know, this ever since he's dipped into the crazy ink, yeah, yeah. it's very hard to read him. And mm-hmm. like, was he hostile? Was he surprised? Was he angry? Yeah, I did. He want to eat been Carl? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, Carl's head was a hamburger at that point. <laughs> Who knows? Why is Lori's head on Carl's body? This does not make sense. <laughs> uh, I've moving... got the weirdest boner right now. Oh, jeez, that's so wrong. Uh, moving on, the governor and Milton are. Trying to fill the ranks with anyone healthy enough. They're going over the files. Who do we have that doesn't have arthritis? Uh, Andrew <laughs> and apparently no one. I think uh, the, the point editor says that there's some people that had chronic. Chronic arthritis? Or chronic? The chronic, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure there's chronic I would think everywhere. those people would make very poor additions to the Army. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Andrea tells the governor that she's going to go to the prison and ask for a car. The governor tells her no and that she should stay if she does go. Well, and he's, stay at the prison. He's also getting pretty sloppy with his lies. Oh, completely. Like he's, you know, he's like, "Well, your friend shot first. Can you believe it? They're bloodthirsty. They've changed." I mean, he just. I felt like in the first half of this season, he did a much better job of selling the lies, and maybe it's harder to yeah. do that when Andrew's being confronted with so much evidence of his duplicity. But yeah, still, uh, you know, I what's his game at this point? 
I think his game is just to kill Rick. Okay, he's just, yes. But the, <laughs> okay. what he's doing with Andrea. Yeah, yeah. Rationalize this with what happens at the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. Like, he's super suspicious of her, kind of wants Poindexter to, you know, spy on her, questions her loyalty, mm-hmm. and then he's going to go back and sleep with this woman. After mean, she's been to the prison, he doesn't ask her any questions about what happened there. It's just he implicitly trusts her at that moment. Yeah, yeah. Very weird. I mean, the thing is, you can always say, well, he's just crazy. But I feel like that's kind of a cop-out. Yeah. Yes. Even crazy characters have their motivations. And an and appropriate level of paranoia. Yeah. Which the governor would have. And I just, I don't know. Maybe he does still have a blind spot with her, but I... Yeah. I don't know, man. A lot of know. stuff happening without payoff, uh, I feel like. He had a good line in this episode, or in this scene, though, where he says adolescence is a 20th century invention. Mm-hmm. I thought that was... <laughs> He's pretty much true, right? Or he's pretty much right Yeah. Uh, when it comes to that. I mean, before it was like, oh, you're 13, you're a man, let's go kill some Right, you should be married, you should, you know, yeah. start having babies. Go to war with our tribe, whatever. Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, so outside of uh, the governor's apartment, the town is prepping for an invasion. Uh, or at least it looks like they are, for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's an argument about some asthmatic kid... Uh, and Andrea's surprised that they're preparing a militia. Asthma's a 20th century invention. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Back Uh, in the day, we just called them pussies. (laughs) So I I use an inhaler myself. (laughs) uh, Yeah, Andrea's starting to get wise to the fact that this is not just all prevention. They're they're going out there for blood. And that's the other thing. Like, Martinez... uh, Martinez. Martinez. We're, we're going to get so much feedback about that. We got one piece of feedback telling us how to pronounce Martinez. Martinez. And, of Mar- course, I know that. But I thought at some point they said Martinez, but maybe not. Well, who knows? It might have been Mar- Merle. Gargiulio. I just think that, again, if – what's the governor's game? Like, if he's really trying to pull the wool over Andrew's eyes, why aren't his people on the same page? Yeah. Like, Martinez just all but sneers in her face – Look, bitch. Yeah. We're building an We're army. We're raising, raising a child army up here. You got a problem with it? Yeah. Uh, I, don't I don't know. know. I, I just. But it doesn't look like the governor has been communicating very much. That's true. With his people anymore. Um, so there's that. Maybe they just don't. Do he just came out and said, "Get me an army." You think he'll face a Martin insurrection? <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Probably. No. No, I doubt he will. I think those guys are loyal to him, regardless. Uh, and I think those guys kind of have fun. But they're not on the same page. Oh, yeah. The, the scouting and the killing and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah. They're kind of lunatics. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on. The survivors try to decide what to do with Merle back at the prison uh, and what to do about the governor. Uh, Glenn wants to hand Merle over and declare a truce. And this is the scene you were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, Herschel has a chat with Merle, and they bond over their stumps and the Bible. Uh, and Herschel's trying to relate to Merle as he's so good at doing. I love that because Merle the whole time's like, you know, trying to shit on Rick. Yeah. Like, had to lose a leg. Well, Rick cut it off for me. Well, that was nice of him. Gave me more time with my daughters. Yeah. Less time with my leg, of course, but, you know. <laughs> Gave you more time with your brother. Kind of a wash. Yeah. it's. And they make Merle a closeted intellectual. In this scene. Closeted intellectual. He, he misses the Woodbury Library most of all. Okay. Not the all firelight right. zombie fights. Yeah. 
not the uh, you know wanton killing and destruction, raping and pillaging. It's the yeah. library. He not the, the four most. to one female to male ratio. <laughs> right, right. Through sheer force of will, he calls it library, not library. Yeah, but I. You know, uh, there's some good feedback here on Facebook about, well, you know, maybe as a southern gentleman, he's or, or a Bible belt, Bible thumper, that maybe, he, you know, religion actually is important. But it's few and far between the Christian that can quote the Bible, let alone cite scripture and verse. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's pretty cra- – I mean, that's very hardcore. Yeah. No, I like what they've done with Merle this season, honestly. I think – They've shown that he is not always what he acts like he is. He puts up a front in a lot of situations, um, even though a lot of this stuff is, like, ingrained in him. I mean, there's a racist thing, but at times he seems like that's kind of a front, too, and it's, like, expected behavior um, from just years of being around people who are like that. I think racists have this charming ability to compartmentalize. Like a person mm, that violently yeah. hates black people, uh, if he works with a guy, he'll always say, you know, so-and-so is all right. You know, like yeah, he's yeah, the yeah. exception. Sure. Also the other, you know, it's like, you know, so it's like, yeah, he might be cool with Martinez mm-hmm. and Gargiulio because they're his, they're in his crew, but he's still a racist piece of shit. You know De- what I'm saying? Definitely. But yeah. I, I don't know. His I just felt like speak I felt like this is again. It's like okay, he's a secret intellectual. Whoopty shit. What are they going to do? Because I think it actually it would have been a stronger performance or stronger, uh, more punchy scene had he been like you know uh, Herschel drops this scripture on him and he's like, yeah, well, let me tell you about the book of the governor. He's going to come and <laughs> you know. He's going to kill you and your daughters oh. and all this stuff. It's like and your book isn't going to save you. I just felt like, yeah, that would have been a better response. And again, oh. what do – okay, this is a hidden fast of Merle's character. What are they going to do with it? Well, that's the key, right? We have if we to never hear about this time. again, this is just a bullshit. Yes, and there's a lot of bullshit. This is just some bullshit that came out of the writer's room. Like, oh, I know how we can make Merle seem more mm-hmm. three-dimensional and deeper. And I don't know. I just – yeah, we have to didn't, give it time. Didn't press air on here. Okay. Fair enough. I do think that it was good for Herschel to go in there and try to talk to him. Yeah, and I and I actually feel like that... He's, like, extending the olive branch to him, you know? Yeah, and I think they got the measure of each other pretty good here. Yes. So I like that aspect. I just thought that, uh, you know, making Merle a, a, a Bible, a theologian, was, was a little much. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Uh, there was a quote there. From the Bible, um, where they were talking about Cutting their stumps, yeah, yeah sure. and they said it's uh, for it is profitable, profitable that one of your members should perish, uh, unless you whatever. Uh, Throw to the fires of who? I'm, yeah, I'm, and that's where yeah Merle takes over that quote. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm wondering if they're trying to do some foreshadowing here. Is is Herschel going to sacrifice himself for the good of the group? I don't know. I think he was just saying Pardon literally you. the truth of, you know, why are you so pissed off about your arm yeah, yeah. when you arguably could have saved yourself? Yes, there's definitely that. I'm just wondering if there's more to it. Mm. I don't know. The show has not really shown us that they can do that very well, so mm. maybe not. Uh, back at Woodbury, the townsfolk are lined up as the governor walks by to inspect them. Uh, apparently he doesn't think asthma is enough to keep Noah out of service, even though Andrea does. I'm telling you, it's a modern invention. It is. <laughs> uh, he does, however, say that the 
I, I don't know her name. I don't even know if she has a name, but the lady with arthritis mm-hmm. is not able to hold a gun. So right. fair enough. That's that. Uh, yeah, makes sense. <laughs> uh, but Andrew's not happy about it. Uh, we go back over to the prison. Carol welcomes Daryl back with a discussion about the tomb-like qualities of the prison. Uh, I'm confused. Did T-Dog leave her to safety or did Daryl save her? Because both of them cannot be literally true. Uh, Yeah, you're right. T-Dog led her into a closet that she would have died in. Would have died in had not. She acknowledges that. I just feel like it it drives me crazy. It's like, you know... uh, You don't think she appreciates T-Dog's sacrifice? No, I do think she does. I just think that T-Dog's sacrifice was was uh, some writer desperation to give him some moment to mean something because right before he died yeah like there was two walkers they could have i mean he could have shoved them out of the way and taken a couple more bites and scratches and then accompanied her further along and maybe actually led her to safety mm-hmm. instead of you know i don't know dogpiling these guys against the wall and Just screaming at run. her to move for 30 seconds yeah. And it turns out that wasn't even enough to make a difference anyway. And the gear is like the show's trying to do two things with it. I, I it's, No, I'm with you. I'm down. I'm down, down on the show? I'm, I'm kind of down on the show this week, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you know so. this. <laughs> All right. Uh, but they have a little moment here. They exchange a, a joke and a smile. Mm-hmm. So maybe Carol and Daryl are back. Yeah. Back in whatever kind of relationship they have. Yeah. We're still unsure. Yeah. Uh, we go back over to Woodbury. A lot of cutting back and forth here. Uh, Andrea asks Milton to cover for her so she can go back to the prison. And Milton is – Milton doesn't know what to do here, right? He's like, no, I'm not going to. And then – well, I guess he does know what to do because he goes right to the governor yeah. immediately afterward uh, and tells him that uh, Andrea is planning to leave. Good scene with the eye hole there. I oh, actually disgusting. quite enjoyed that. And, yeah, and his effect. Uh, not only that, but his acting, uh, Morrissey's acting, where he ripped off the patch and he looks at it and he kind of like caught his own breath how disgusting it was. Yeah. Um, I yeah, thought that was pretty good. And my question to you is, what is Poindexter's game? Because he's actually – have a game? He's putting a lot of spin on the ball here. Like Andrea basically asked him, help me make peace so no one has to die. Yes. Mm-hmm. And point X was like, she wanted my help escaping her words, not mine. I don't think she actually said that. Yeah, this I is, don't remember her saying She made escape. it seem like it was a betrayal, like she's just going away and never coming back, where her express uh, purpose was, hey, I need to get to talk to some sense into Rick. Yeah. Uh, do you think Poindexter has an agenda here? I'm wondering if Poindexter is not smarter than we all think, honestly. Because his act could just very well be an act. Oh, he's saying that. You're making my liver get on DEFCON 5. <laughs> I'm just... I don't like my Poindexter smart. I like him wearing dumbass <laughs> duct tape shirts and thinking they're protected from zombies. Well, you got plenty of that this episode. Yeah, so. keep wearing them uh, duct tape uh, shirts, man. It's already been proven. A zombie tried to bite him, couldn't break through. No, they didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, the a, first zom- time. a zombie played patty cake with him while Merle was you know, holding yeah. the reins. I mean, that was just Merle fucking with him. All right. Well, we'll see. Get one good zombie bite on those shoulder pads. <laughs> uh, Adam Savage from the Mythbusters was making this uh, yeah, yeah. some kind of duct tape battle suit. Fine. He'd but make it out of, like, pie-crete. You can't make a two-ply duct tape shirt and think that that's going to turn aside <laughs> a zombie tooth. I'm just, I'm just saying. 
Okay. Uh, Andrea and Milton uh, copy Michonne's tactic by cutting the arms and teeth off of a zombie, and Tyrese shows up. Mm-hmm. This was a horrific scene that... Oh, God. In my long, long history with zombie movies, there are very few things that I cannot stand to watch. Having your teeth busted out on a rock is one of them. Dental pain is the worst, man. It is. Like, I can't watch that scene from the marathon, man, where they're interrogating Dustin Hoffman, the the dentist. (laughs) I've never seen that. Oh, Christ. And, yeah, the close – I mean, impressive close-up of yes. the teeth just getting shattered on that rock. And a double stomp, too. I had, didn't – I had nightmares about it for this – most of this week. Like, you know, have you ever had those dreams where you are you feel like you're grinding your teeth and they're just shattering and you're, like <laughs> – Turning to dust Yeah, like, you're just, like you can feel the grit and the bits of teeth in your mouth. Ugh. I've been having those ever since this episode. It sucks. Yuck. It sucks. I bet. Uh, also, the arm chopping was awesome. See, yeah. see, there's a difference. I can watch a guy's arms get chopped off. I feel like she did a shitty job. She should have cut them way higher up on the arm. Yeah, you think he can he's still got, grip? Yeah, he's, no, he can't grip it. He's got those bone shards that he could oh, work. That's true. We know it works. I mean, he's, did it. he's going to... The zombie doesn't know his arms are cut off, so he's going to extend his arms towards you, which is going to just <laughs> point these two bone tusks. Yeah, right into your neck. He's, like a, he's like a bull African elephant coming at you. The zombie-infected, sh- you know, shards of tusk. Uh, the zombies are evolving with the help of Andrea. <laughs> Pretty soon they're going to be doing it to smarter. themselves. They're going to like, you know, we don't need these hands. We don't actually grip anything. Let's just cut them off and have the two bone spurs. I like it. That's almost as good as a zombie baby. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> um, What did you think mm. of Tyrese, uh, of a sudden appearance? Uh, the direction of this scene was shitty as hell. Yeah. Like the specifics? I, you just them. Okay, I, I buy the fact that they can just happen on each other. Uh, okay. Although the show's kind of got to get straight how survival it is, how survivable it is, just camp out in the woods in a zombie apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like that was okay, but just it felt like the editing needed to be a little bit tighter. I mean, I, I felt like thirty seconds worth of Tyrese gaping like a landed fish at Andrea and Andrea gaping right back like oh, uh, you know. <laughs> uh-huh. And also um when I read the spoilers, I just I guess I, I felt like that the situation was be, was more dire. At no point that I feel like it was getting out of hand or Andrea couldn't help. No. There was a single zombie that Andrea could have dispatched easily. Right. So I felt like um, it would have been more interesting for Tyrese to have just come across them in mid-zombie defanging. Because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's a fucked up, you know, like right when the audience is thinking, man, this is fucked up. If, if yeah. Tyrese had stumbled across them and the look on the group's face was the group look on the audience's face. Yeah. And, and maybe would, not have them know what to make of Andrea and Milton. Right. And then coming back from a commercial break, it would have made more logical sense than... You know, she's just saying, this is how we do zombies. This is our zombie technique. This yeah. is our zombie cloaking device. Zombie off. Something didn't work about, work for me on it. Okay. I know I'm being a whiner. No. That's, uh, that's what I'm the show is all about. I'm guaranteeing negative <laughs> iTunes reviews this week. <laughs> we go back to the prison, and Michonne is working out when Merle comes over to clear the air by telling her that he was just carrying out orders. And she quickly mentions, like, the Gestapo. I love it. And he doesn't phase I him. love it. He doesn't even take it as an insult. He's like, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. Man, you, you totally get what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Just like those guys. Yep. Uh, I also love the uh, blatant shout-out to Zombieland. Don't forget the cardio. Oh, yeah, yeah. Nice. I didn't even pick that up. 
Uh, I was too concerned about Merle's apology and wondering whether or not he was sincere. Mm. Because he has been disingenuous in the past, and we know that he's racist. I don't. But know. I also feel, like I said earlier, that that's not totally who he is. So, what do you think? Well, uh, this second half of the season has kind of screwed me up on Merle because I was all ready to say that crazy ass, you know, hurting people to just do it for the hell of it. A Merle was the Merle who was tweaked out on all kinds of drugs, a saddlebag full of drugs. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, the blue. Yeah. And, and you know, the more thoughtful now that the governor's kind of sorted him out and he's got a healthy or, you know, some kind of outlet for his, his rate, clear rage issues. But he's just kind of been all over the map. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't feel like I have a peg on what makes him tick anymore. It could have been sincere. Uh, okay, my follow-up to that would be, do you think that's intentional on the writer's part? Or do you think they just don't know what to do with the guy? I don't know. We'll see if they make this uh, intellectual, loose cannon, somewhat sincere Merle payoff. But, I mean, I guess I took it as him. You know, he's like, look. Uh, this isn't what I would have picked out for me. Yeah. Uh, but we're both here together. Why don't we try to make the best of it? I could see him doing that. When do you think he's going to have that conversation with Glenn? <laughs> That's a good question. A I, I don't question. think it's going to go as well as it did here. Mm, well, well, not that this went particularly well. No, but it, it didn't break out into a fight, which I feel like with Glenn mm, and Merle mm-hmm. probably would. Uh, next scene, Andrea invites Tyrese and his crew to join Woodbury and tells Milton to take them back while she heads off toward the prison. Uh, she is still set. She takes a zombie on a leash. She runs off. Uh, was that I, the extent of Milton's help, I guess? That was all he was prepared to give Andrea as far as the governor's orders to help her? I guess. I mean, maybe that was her plan all, the, all along. Like, look, help me get out of the city. And help me hold down a zombie while I knock his teeth out, and then I'll go on my merry way. Yeah, could have been. So that doesn't – now, I'm – I was actually kind of concerned, like, oh, they're sending these guys to the governor? Yeah. Um, again, I'm not sure why the governor makes the decisions he makes as far as survivors and, and all that. Yeah, same here. Um, you know, maybe that's his, his M.O. It's like unless there's something to be gained um, from you, like, you know um, – armed army convoy or want to hit them hard and fast and take all their stuff mm-hmm. and not risk them being badasses in their own right. Maybe he offers, it's like, okay, this is one badass, two lightweights and a girl, which, you know, right or wrong doesn't really enter his arithmetic. Um, yeah. You know, and I'll, I'll invite him in and say, Hey, I'll give you, I'll give you cars and guns or we usually do this kind of stuff. And if they try to leave, then they'll hunt them down and kill them. Or, I mean, I don't yeah. know. Like I said, I, I don't have a good beat on how he makes the decision about who makes the cut, you know? Yeah, and he's not been the same leader of Woodbury that he had been in the past. So I don't know that we can really compare Andrea and Michonne's situation when they rolled up to now, when he's right. kind of gone off the rails and is just out for vengeance. Right, yeah, good point, good point. So we we really are off the map with that guy. When Andrea gets back to the prison... Uh, Carl and Maggie spot her. They're on lookout. And they call on the others, and they let her in. And when she gets inside the gates, Rick interrogates her in a very hostile manner. James McKay said, I was hoping that Maggie's going to shoot Andrew at the rifle to give her a taste of her own medicine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or if Daryl had been the lookout, yeah. that would have been even better, man. Yeah. I'm going to tag you back. <laughs> yeah. 
Or if you could just see it in his eyes like he's thinking about it. <laughs> he's remembering back to when Andrea shot him. Yeah. Or tried to shoot him. Um, yeah, so I there was pretty pretty divided on Facebook about whether Andrea deserved this or whether Rick was over the top. What was your take on that? Uh, I thought that they were trying to show us not only how unstable Rick is at the moment, but how paranoid he is about people coming in. I mean, this is someone but, that... But you don't think he has any kind of right to be? No, he does. I mean, she, like he says, she spent time with the governor. She's been in his camp. Who knows what kind of brainwashing he's done, you know? Well, not only that, but... I mean, like I said, I responded, and my my take on the thread was, if I was still writing the Survivor Guides like I did in uh, Season 1 and the first half of Season 2, I yeah. would be standing up and cheering. That that's appropriate treatment yeah. of someone's been gone that long in the company of someone that you of, – of, like, the governor. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is, what the hell? Why wouldn't she answer Rick? Rick is like, are you alone? Yeah. Rick, open the gate. Are you alone? Rick, please. <laughs> How about no? How about yes? Oh, yes, yeah, I'm yes, alone. Yes, yes, I'm alone. <laughs> no, I'm not alone. <laughs> I went Let to, me in. I went to Dr. Leva. How about no, you freak? Um, yeah. I, I just, w- what does it cost people? To, like, to just, speak. Yeah. yeah. I know, man. I know. This, the guy who's holding your life in his hands <laughs> is asking you a Relevant question. Yeah. Answer the fucking question. Yeah, I'm 100% with you there. You know, it's it's like you weren't showing up with like a bag of baby formula. Mm -hmm. You're showing up with a fucking zombie and a robo pincher claw. It drives me crazy. I don't know. Uh, I do think that regardless of... How suspicious Rick was of Andrea. I think it was not a great move to immediately be so hostile because what if Andrea is there on a mission of peace like she is? Uh, That just makes her think, like the governor says later that he's – or earlier that he's gone off the rails, that he's a bloodthirsty – they're now a bloodthirsty group. Like Mm. that's That's not what he wants to portray to someone who is – who knows who he used to be, you know? I'm making a note to discuss something in this spoiler section. Okay. Uh, Let's move on then. When Andrea goes into the prison, uh, she's greeted by... Well, she's greeted first with a hug from Carol. She's also greeted with a legless Herschel and a dead Lori Shane and Mm -hmm. T-Dog. Not good news for Andrea. Uh, She's definitely shocked at the way that they're treating her, and she tries to talk the group into solving the dispute with the governor with a discussion... Uh, and warns that a war is coming and that it's not likely something they'll survive. Well, I also want to point out here, uh, I love Daryl. You know that I all, all I love Daryl, but his hair, he, yeah. it's getting into Ramona Flowers from Scott Pilgrim territory. <laughs> the style-wise? or Yeah, man. He's got oh, these really well, it's long... It's always greased down to... this. I'm telling you, he's got like, uh, I don't know what you'd call it, like hipster girl hair? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Some these, some emo hair. These things hanging down. And sh- I don't. I can't. It's not a mullet. It's no. It's Ramona Flowers' hair is what it is. Yeah, yeah. He just needs a pink streak in it, or something. he needs to just shave it off. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how he'd look with shaved head. I don't know. I guess I'll leave it up to the ladies to judge. All right, fair enough. Uh, <laughs> Andrea comes walking in. 
first thing she says to Michonne, what have you told them? And in unison, the entire 12 million people who watch this show quoted Michonne and said nothing because she hasn't said a fucking word the entire time, which yeah. has been the biggest problem mm-hmm. in season two prob- or in season three, probably. Yeah. I'm hopeful, that we'll get some, I'm, I'm hopeful that we'll get some character development from her real soon. Uh, we get a little bit of it in this next scene. Yes, um, actually, which yes. Which I thought was actually pretty good. Uh, in the yard, Andrea and Michonne finally get to talk about, talk about what happened in Woodbury. Now, Michonne's angry that Andrea chose a warm bed over a friend, and she went back to expose the governor's operations specifically because she wanted to hurt Andrea. Well, I, she says that. Yeah. Uh, that's I don't what know she that it was says. meant that way because a lot of people on Facebook were saying that. But the way I intended is like I went back to expose the governor in in in, in parentheses so you can get right and get saved. I knew it would hurt you, but I did it anyway because so you could get right and get for saved. the greater good. Kind of like if you're a, a parent, you let your kid get operated on and go through pain. Yeah, to yeah. Spare or if them you're Rick pe- and you chop Herschel's leg off. Yeah, yeah. So I, I didn't take it, and I was surprised that so many people did that. She meant that as like I'm a total bitch, and I did this just to hurt you. That's and what I thought she meant because her front face. I mean, she was. She's like, I went through all this effort to to save you and put you back on the right path, even though mm-hmm. I knew it was going to hurt you. That's that's how good of a friend I am in contrast to you, hmm. who abandoned me to death and suffering. For a warm bed. And I okay. could be wrong, but that's just the way I took it. And I was extremely surprised to hear most of the people take the contrary view. Yeah, I'd love to hear an interview with either uh, – uh, what's his name? Mazera or, or uh, Denai. Uh, can, can I just say Denai is a freaking gorgeous lady. Like oh, when she gives that beautiful. smile, the first smile we've like really seen in from her yeah. in a long time. Yeah. Even when it's sarcastic, God. Just fantastic. No, I'm a big fan. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, two different takes on that scene, I guess. So let's keep going. Uh, the governor greets Tyrese's group, who has made it back to Woodbury, and he tells them they can rest up and go, but they mention that they ran into Rick, and he decides that they could stay a while if they'll give up some information. Tyrese, once again, with his powerful negotiating skills, yeah. jumps right in there and volunteers <laughs> everything they've got. Yeah, we'll do whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I don't know, man. He's not quite as bad as MacGruber, where it's like... I don't remember any of that movie. You don't? Not a single scene. Or he's that one scene where he's trying to beg to get his, uh, his team back, and he's like, I will suck your dick. <laughs> I will, <laughs> you want to fuck me? Yeah. Right? Point to something in the office, I'll fuck it for you right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's basically Tyrese in this scene. Uh, I still although, love him. He does have a lot of information to divulge. Not only can, as one of our oh, listeners mentioned some feedback, yeah. give the layout of... Yeah, and Poindexter asks Jumped about right it. on that. Not only can he give the layout of the prison or the two rooms that they were in, he can tell them about the back side of the prison. It's uh, wide fucking open. Although the front side of the prison is wide fucking open now, too. But but not the doors, yeah. right? They can't get into the prison that way. Yeah, but they can't... Uh, you would think with know. the keys that Rick would lock that shit I'm, I'm, up yeah, tight. I, it's not like... Yeah, they were in a section of prison that... Like, like Rick's section is secure. Yes. You can't get into his section... Regardless like, of which direction you come right, from. Right, right. I mean, people don't, don't forget that Carl was off in one of the shitty, like, you know, kind of... Abandoned sections of the prison. Yeah, they can with the completely secure. Yeah, they can completely so. secure their 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 spot. So. Yes, I agree with that. But it could be an advantage to get inside the walls at least right. a little bit. Right. 
Uh, Carol introduces Andrea to little baby ass kicker. Mm-hmm. And uh, Andrea asks about what happened to the others. Carol tells her that Rick killed Shane. Mm-hmm. Doesn't like that too much. Although Shane loved didn't Rick. really put up a big fight about it either. No, and I, she, her loyalties are not towards Shane anymore. I'm glad. I'm glad we didn't waste any time on that. Yeah, because yeah. Towards the end, Andrea wasn't so sure about Shane either. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and even she was like, because he, he was suggesting some things like, you know, we should take this over, and he's like, and Andrea didn't have, you know, didn't exactly like that. So I. Yeah. I like the fact that she was skeptical, but when, when Carol said, no, Shane loved Lori, she kind of got it. Yeah. So skeptical of Shane, yet so unskeptical of the governor. Mm. Could have done a better job, Andrea. Uh, Carol also tells her that she should go kill the governor. Give him the best night of his life, and then when he's sleeping, take an axe to his other eye mm-hmm. or something. Uh, what do you think about that plan? Uh, we have a lot of listener feedback on it too. It sounds like the kind of plan that a woman like Carol would come up with. A woman like Carol. Yeah. What do you mean by that? Someone that's been probably kicked around and definitely and slapped around. around by, and you know, I just wonder how many nights she laid awake beside her shitbag husband. Was it Ed? Yeah. And fantasized about doing just that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, but now in the zombie apocalypse, when you got a right bastard of a significant other, there's nothing. There's no police are going to investigate. No. Like, if you can fucking slit a throat and get away from it, you're scot-free. Yeah. I think that there's some... Um, that's and what Carol I mean. can live vicariously through her. I mean, we... we What was the quote from an episode or two ago where she's talking with... I think it was Beth, maybe? Beth or Maggie? Um, about, like, being angry about what ed did to her and how that could change a person mm. you remember that no i don't <laughs> no not at all okay uh-huh. they were doing laundry at the time uh-huh uh, okay never mind if you don't remember it it's not gonna oh, oh oh yeah well she's talking to maggie <laughs> yeah yeah and maggie was like okay. clearly pissed at glenn and uh, you know disturbed about what gone yeah okay i remember that now yeah and she's like sometimes i don't know it, what i'd do if ed walked back in the right the it threw me when you said beth because i was trying to imagine her having that conversation it, yeah, yeah. but it was maggie yeah okay uh anyway um, they take Andrea outside, give her a car, and send her back to Woodbury. Um, great scene. I got to give credit where it's due. I really good scene. I, sometimes this show feels like it's it's just not on the same level of of Mad Men and uh, oh, sometimes Breaking all Bad. the time. It feels on like a cinema, but I'm talking about on direction cinematography. All the time standpoint. It feels like that. This scene, <laughs> this scene was pretty good, and there's another one towards it. I almost feel like this is the tale of two episodes because right about this spot, like, like from the from the Michonne Andrea throwdown that should have happened fucking last season, uh-huh. it's like the show was in a nosedive that pulled out of, and like the okay. the camera work was noticeably better, the staging of the shots was noticeably better, the the writing and the interesting scenes. Like I was much more engaged by the second half of this episode, hmm. and I really liked. You know, her driving down the gravel driveway and like... Yeah, you, know, you this, said the shot through the windshield. Through the windshield and she's just casually driving through these zombies. She's not making an effort to run over them because that's There's what no she point. would do. Yeah, at this stage in the zombie apocalypse, you know, you don't want to get hung up on a dead zombie. So you just kind of, you yeah. know, go about your business. Sure. And I liked how they played it very casual that way. Yeah, it's almost like they're adapting to this yeah. <laughs> new world in, in some weird ways. 
Uh, Rick gives her a gun and a knife as well. I thought he gave out. her a gun back. That She brought that gun to the prison, no? Oh, did she? She may she have. She didn't come unarmed. No, she had an axe when she came. Uh, unless she, she handed that back to Milton. didn't and... have a gun on her hip. Uh, God, I don't know. I wish I could watch the episode right now. I'm check. not saying she didn't. I'm okay. just saying I didn't notice. All right. Um, Fair enough. I was wondering if those weapons were going to come back to haunt him at any point. Get Oh, yeah. yeah if the prison knows? falls because he doesn't have a <laughs> small caliber yeah. semi-automatic pistol, then probably would have <laughs> fell anyway. Yeah, and a small pocket knife. Yeah. Uh, Andrea gets back to Woodbury and sees the goes to see the governor. Uh, she tells him how the prisoners are living in horrible conditions. They're broken group. She asks, or he asks, why she came back and answers his own question. <laughs> uh, they presumably get it on. Making out probably leads to the doing it. Yeah, and again, what is the governor's th- thought here? What? Where's the consistency yeah. in this plan? Or is where, that deliberate? Where are the questions? Where are the? Where's the suspicion? Or maybe you know? Carol's got it right. A guy like the governor is not even going to think. He's going to think, well, of course she came back. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. We have some listener feedback on that, too. But I also think it's very interesting they're doing uh, – the, the, there's some interesting thing they're doing with the contrast in this episode in this season, um, especially in, in, in comparison to the comic book version. Um, you've got this prison shithole yep. where they're not – I mean, they are filthy, dirty. Rick's hair is – obscene oh, yeah uh like like she said to the governor these people are living in horrible conditions uh-huh. versus woodbury's relative opulence yeah and it looks like small town oh sorry small town america still uh rick's brand of crazy versus the governor's brand of crazy merle versus daryl honesty and integrity of rick's group versus the lies and politics of the governor's group it almost um, feels like they're trying to generate conflict in this show, right? Well, I think... Believable conflict. No, you have conflict. I mean, this this arc is when, is going very differently from the comics because they're just really... Uh, where the comics, I feel like there was a very amped up contrast between Woodbury and the prison. Here, it's like they're, they're liberally uh, trying to muddy the waters and say that, you know, Rick is more like the governor than people would like to admit mm-hmm. they're both crazy they're both <laughs> crazy um but you know they, they the way they react and, and how they ultimately embrace or, or deal with their their loss and their grief and and their their madness is 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 what's going to determine them and yeah you know, i don't know and the, the, the only problem with it is it does make it seem slightly weird that these are the that the rick's group the dictatorship is so wanting to hold on to this prison does it? I it's mean, just, it's the only safe place that they've come across. Yeah. Well, I mean, they just developed that idea in the comic much more, where they okay. had a kind of like a Woodbury-esque... Um, they had their own town at some point. Yeah, I mean, the, the, yeah, they, they had a yeah. fully functional civilization. They had some, you know, power. They were, you know, yep. making things... I mean, they were getting baths and... And they were kind of settling down and, and populating the prison and dividing it up into family groups. And, mm-hmm. you know, and Lori hadn't died by this point. So there was kind of like a return from normalcy to Rick. They're really turning this up on their head and making the prison seem like a fucking third world country versus first world Woodbury. And yeah. like I said, it's it'll be interesting to see where they end up going with that. And, and if whether all this monkeying around at the comic plot uh, is, is, is going to be at the end worth it. Because they're basically – Altering the signature plotline from the Walking Dead comics. 
And okay, don't that, tell me what that is. No, no, but, uh, but it's right. the prison sequence. That's this this okay. as a unit. Yeah. They're, they're, that's that's the this uh, what I would argue is the signature plot line from The Walking Dead, mm-hmm. and you know it's if if they're if they're making these big changes to it, it better pay off to something that's worth it, or I'm going yeah. to be like you know very disappointed. And we have listener feedback on that as well. All right, our listeners are covering the bases this time. Uh, we go to the final montage here, mm-hmm. uh, where Beth starts singing. Some songs once again. And I really, like, I really cringed when she started singing. I'm like, oh, Jesus, not this is not going to be good. But honestly, at the end, I, I thought it was pretty good. I thought a really good the scene. subject matter was a little surprising for <laughs> Beth. But who knows? Maybe she's uh, a little more mature than I thought. Uh, not more mature than Axel thought, though. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, she starts singing while Glenn and Herschel and Rick are talking about what to do about the governor. Uh-huh. Or no, uh, Daryl's in the mix, isn't he? I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like this scene a lot too. Uh, Rick decides that he's going to go on a run. Uh, for what ammo? <laughs> Uh, well, they don't say, but it, presumably they're gearing up for war. Yeah, yeah they're going to go because they make... said their ammo was almost depleted mm-hmm. and. They don't have much food and it's, stuff. And so. it's actually Daryl's idea, but Rick's like, and I and I really like the scene because it's like Rick is starting to come around, and he held Daryl accountable in a very yeah. matter of fact, non confrontational way. It's like you know, and I, I felt like this put everybody, all the the, the alphas were there in one picture, and yeah. like you know, Rick was settling it. He's like, look, and then no one, you know, we're not crazy about Merle being here. But we're going to accept it. But if he gets out of line, it's on you. Yeah. And Daryl's like, I get that. Yeah. So, like, everybody, you know, yeah. It's, fin- it's finally some straight shooting between yes. the characters. Yes. It's amazing what that does for a show. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so Rick decides he's going to go on a run, and he's going to take Michonne and Carl with him, which is like a good 50% of the badass left in the prison. Mm-hmm. Uh, Daryl making other making up the other 50%. Yeah, that's probably a fair ratio. <laughs> Although, I don't know, man. Uh, Carl Jr.'s been a beast. He has been, yeah. But come on, it's Daryl. Yeah. It's Daryl Dixon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd like to see Carl shoot that well with a crossbow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he's going to go out on a run. Or smash a zombie's head with the Subaru Outback. Oh, yeah. Hatchback. Ooh, like a water balloon. <laughs> Yuck. Uh, we go back over to Woodbury, and Andrea gets out of the governor's bed, grabs a knife off the floor, puts it to his neck, can't kill him. What do you think can't about do it. What do you think about the staging of this? I thought this was fantastic. Really? Honestly. I love the lighting. Just because of Lori's naked ass? Because I was not impressed. I thought it was no, very no, no. badly staged. You weren't impressed and... with her ass? I was uh, pretty impressed. No, it's, 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 it's a fine ass. But... Why do you think it was badly staged? I love the lighting in this. It's, it show it. It's very much shows. In it this very much shows trope. as much of their ass as she could get away with on basic no, cable. It, it, it does that as well. What the lighting was? No, about. come on. It's also when way, she looks out the window at the end. It's showing the her con- savage face. Yes. <laughs> so her conflicted feelings on killing the governor and which group through her she wants face. to be with manifested through her half shadowed savage face. <laughs> I just thought that like. The position she stood and the way she held the knife, it just everything was very awkward. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. The lighting was good. <laughs> we'll say that. I maybe guess. the staging was bad. I, I don't, don't know. know. Again, I just felt 
Um, it felt like something I was watching on basic cable. Well, the music really helped. Without that music, the scene falls flat. True, true. That's true of almost every visual medium. Um, sorry, except That's silent some, movies. Except for silent movies, <laughs> even even they have music. They, yeah, just. Um, I've got so I got this theory because I noticed the baby sounds were super loud <laughs> oh, and noticeable, uh, but they sounded very zombie-like, didn't they? They do. The zomb- this, yeah. this is a little bit. It's like baby zombie sounds. Have you I'm explained your you, theory yet? My theory is that Beth killed the baby with her shitty baby handling skills weeks mm-hmm. ago, and it's been a zombie that nobody's noticed because it doesn't have teeth. Yep. <laughs> I like it, and and I, like I think. It. I think that now to, to, to they, they've heard me say that, and in post production they've amped up the baby noises because they're super mm. loud. They're yeah. like heard over everyone's conversation and whatnot. Yeah, and yeah. I think they're faking, they're piping in baby noises to mask the fact that this baby's dead. Yeah, which like any good conspiracy theorist, I'll just take that and reincorporate my theory, uh, which I'll be outlining in my YouTube documentary, Loose Diaper Change. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, it's like, oh, there's live baby sounds or piping that shit in. Yeah. <laughs> now, this ba- until I see otherwise, until I see this baby actually eat food or shit or have normal biological functions, mm-hmm. it's a dead zombie baby just trying to gnaw on everyone, but nobody knows it because it's all gums. Yeah, yeah. No, I, Baby's got no fingernails. I like that theory a lot. I like it a lot. Damn you, Beth. <laughs> all right, that's it for the episode. Totally done. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got some promotion stuff. We do have some promotion stuff. You want to do it? Again, don't forget about our contest, uh, baldmove.com slash contest. You've got until March 19th to enter. Uh, we are part of the Bald Move Network. You can find all of our content at baldmove.com. We've got The Walking Dead. We've got The Game of Thrones, which is coming back in March. We've got yeah. Mad Men, which is also coming back either into March or mid-April. I'm not sure which. I don't know yet. Uh, Breaking Bad, which is in, entering its final season this summer. Mm-hmm. Um, our new affiliates, Personal Arrogance out of Seattle, which discussed this week's their superhero dodgeball teams, uh, the fate of the Penny, the PS4, and uh, Bungie's new Destiny title, and Google Glass, and also the Because Show. Uh, Susan, Amy, and Gerilyn out of L.A. talk about G-Spot play, bug out bags, oh. which I got to say... <laughs> Not too impressed with the ladies' choices for their bug-out bags. <laughs> yeah. Not much survival gear in there. <laughs> Although Amy was I remember. packing lots of condoms. Again, yep. which is why she's my favorite. Although <laughs> I was – I they they had me, like, questioning myself because uh, <laughs> when Gerilyn said that uh, I was – or she was my favorite – and she immediately came back as like because my sexual standards are the lowest, <laughs> and I was like, "Wait, I I oh, can't they really refute that." Pretty much has me pegged. <laughs> um, they also talk about Stephen King. They got a lot of Stephen King news. I guess he's got two novels coming out this year: Joinland mm-hmm. and Doctor Sleep, and the TV miniseries Under the Dome. They're all excited about that. Yeah, sounds uh, interesting. If you Jonesing for Downton Abbey coverage, we got Tom and Kelly from Up Yours Downstairs at BaldMove.com. Uh, please rate us and review us on iTunes. Boom, we, they just dropped the season finale. Yes. Uh, the Episode 8 or something? I don't know. Uh, it's a Christmas. Ten. The cover of the Christmas special, which big things happened in. Um, we always appreciate ratings, reviews, and iTunes. If you haven't done that, please, 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 and you've got an iTunes account, please take a few moments to uh, give us a, a rating and a review. Uh, it really helps our rankings and, and helps grow our audience. Uh, tell a friend if you got some like-minded TV friends that uh, are starving for a quality TV analysis and, and fan fan uh, feedback, uh, turn them on to us. And last but certainly not least, 
Use our Amazon affiliate link at amazon.baldmove.com or click at the banner at the top of our site. Uh, it's an easy way to send a few pennies our way, uh, and it costs you nothing. Finally, I can't wait to get another Audible sponsorship because listener Stephen R. Rufiner, I believe is how you pronounce his name, he's loaded me up with great zombie audiobook recommendations. I'm saving them. Oh, you're saving them. I'm saving them. You're withholding em. information like Michonne. I am. I'm Michonne in it. <laughs> I'm Michonne in this Do year. you have any good audiobooks for me to listen to? <laughs> that was Andrea. Sorry. You're giving me the silent bug eyes. The That's silent right. steely glare. But yeah, I've got some... I, I was surprised at how much uh, audio zombie books that they got on Audible. Yeah, but I they, find that the zombie books aren't always quality. I don't know. Steve, Steve says otherwise. Okay. He said he quite enjoyed them. All right. So I got a bunch of uh, recommendations in my quiver. Good deal. I think we're ready, we for, ready feedback. for feedback. Yeah, yeah. Now, do, do you want me to do because fa- I got a little bit of Facebook feedback? Do you want me to do that first? Sure. Do you have old? Wait a second. Do you have old stuff first? Uh, I have some old stuff, but Why don't you turn through the old stuff and then I'll I'll do the do the, the problem uh, is I don't have a uh, line of demarcation here to tell when the old stuff ends. I think you'll know, but I'll, I'll, I'll be halfway you. through an email and go, oh, okay. Yeah, I'll cut you off. All right, Evan C <laughs> writes in. I was pleasantly surprised how well this episode turned out after what I thought was an anticlimactic battle to the death. This is uh, Merle and Daryl. I couldn't have asked for better scenes of the Dixon brothers' return or reunion. The dialogue between the two, along with the bridge scene, provided that the writers do or proved that the writers do know how to create interesting and, more importantly, believable conflict. This was so great to see because most of the drama on The Walking Dead seems to be soapy or without any discernible motivation. Uh, he says, maybe I'm just not in touch with my feminine side, but why is Maggie freaking the hell out? I think we covered that pretty well last time. Sure. In my opinion, drama shouldn't be made for drama's sake, so I was thrilled to hear Herschel in one scene asking Glenn, what are you trying to prove? A nice, simple line that clearly reveals his motivations. See, writers, you can do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, good point. Mike in Texas says, love the show and love the full Monty on the spoiler section. Uh, I'm a blind watcher of The Walking Dead. Interesting. Mm. So he's watching the show, not not watching the show, listening to the show. Uh, and your super detailed spoilers help me keep track of the action on the screen other than just sound cues. Uh, he says, which, you can, as you can imagine, are so helpful with Michonne. <laughs> Speaking of Michonne, regarding her almost happy look when Rick told her she has to leave when she's better, what do you think about the idea that she's sort of happy because she feels vindicated? She's potentially developed a viewpoint that nobody is trustworthy, and so by Rick turning her out, he's vindicating her by showing that Phrasing. despite... Yeah, I know. <laughs> by showing that despite how close-knit the group is... They will turn on her despite her help, that she has no friends after all. Yeah. I mean, some people like being right more than they like being alive. <laughs> yeah. So I could see – I don't think that impulse would go away in the zombie apocalypse. And Michonne strikes me as that type of person. Yeah. Seems should like be, a valid take. Should be dead than wrong. Neil H.P. Wait. Yeah. Lovecraft? Not, not NPH. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my take on the governor's attack is that he is fucking nuts – and wants to cause Rick's group a whole pile of horror and have them attack Woodbury. This would solidify his position. Then the town folk would need his brutality. But at the same time, his actions at the prison attack uh, make it seem that he just doesn't care what happens. He doesn't react to gunfire at all. Maybe he is going into God complex mode. What do you think? Do you think that he's trying to get Rick to attack Woodbury? Because just by leading the zombies into his place and trying to ruin their location. Uh, if it, 
I don't know. That's basically what he's asking here. I don't know. It seems like he wants to mount up and invade. The and my question he is, is trying to yeah this episode. So that was last episode before he knew about the invasion force they're uh, assembling. I, yeah, um, I yeah I don't know. Do you think the governor wants a prison? Uh, a lot less than he wants Rick. Honestly, he wants to kill Rick. Okay. Uh, Jake from Tallahassee. I hate to say it, but you probably won't, and you probably won't like it either. But Chris is hard. Chris Hardwick's Talking Dead is actually pretty good. Not, you know, I never said it was bad. It's there's just, no freaking way it could have been this good. Good this week. They just had some random guy on from the. Uh, uh, they had this, some random dude on from uh, Tina Fey's Thirty Rock and the uh, chubby girl from uh, shit Parks and Rec. Okay. It's like they have nothing to do with – I mean I, I don't yeah, understand yeah. when they have celebrities that have nothing uh, to do with The Walking Dead. Comedians seem to, very, to be a very incestuous group. Yeah. Like you get one comedian on a show, you're inevitably going to have – they're like – Like bed lice. It, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just attracts more of them. Yeah. I don't know. I, 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 oh, I, last week it did seem like it might have been interesting. This week I almost – they almost suck at being watching and I'm like, no, uh-uh. Yeah, I've seen, very, I've seen several of them and very few of them have been interesting to me. Normally it's the ones with people from the actual show. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you've got two random guests on who may or may not be zombie fans, I don't care. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's that. That's the end of the uh, feedback from last week. Facebook? Oh, okay. Um, so Paul T said, Is it too early to start planning the fiesta for when Andrea dies? <laughs> I defended really? her all last half season, you and I both. I yeah, am yeah. entirely on the fuck Andrea bandwagon. Yeah, well, she's turned a corner. And not in the governor way. Like, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. You know, her wussing out on killing the governor is – I don't see how she comes back. In fact, I'm wondering how are they going to finagle to where she survives in the season, or will she? Good question. I haven't even thought about Andrea dying. Maybe she could. Uh, Fracking Toaster says, I love hearing Tom Waits songs and the stuff. It doesn't happen as often as it should. He mentioned this one is Hold On from the 1999 classic Mule Variations. Um, he also cracked a wise about Merle said he talked about loving the library, but he probably only read the Bible and Mein Kampf. <laughs> oh God. Our old friend, Noel, the captain Albano said there's several biblical references. In addition to Herschel and Merle's scripture scene, the episode title of I ain't no Judas maybe relates to the group's members loyalty to their leaders, namely Milton and Andrea to the governor and pretty much all the prison group to Rick. Nobody betrayed their respective leaders outright like Judas did to Jesus. Perhaps betrayal has crossed their minds. There's also a reference to Queen Judith of the Old Testament who kills an enemy king while he was in a drunken slumber with a tent, a tent stake, if I if I yeah. recall my Bible correctly. Yeah. Uh, hardcore. That's what little baby ass kicker is going to be up yeah. to in a few years. Carol suggests to Andrea that she charmed the governor, then kill him in his sleep. Carol suggests this to Andrea after the former reveals baby Judith's name to the latter. I like it. Oh. Solid. Yeah. Uh, Jason Shankle from the Nattercast uh, uh, had a little skit for Andrea. Uh, Philip, I'm putting my foot down. If you murder or torture my friends, I'm only going to sleep with you five, maybe six more times. <laughs> Seven tops. Quite the ultimatum. Uh, Philip Z had several several thoughts. He said Daryl uh, on Axel. He said him we kind of liked. He said, I wonder if he knew what Axel's last moments on Earth were spent trying to make time with Carol, if that would change his mind. Mm. I don't know. I still we can't still pin don't down know. their nature of their relationship. Yeah. They're ironically romantically attracted. <laughs> the romantic hipsters. <laughs> <laughs> 
I romantically. Um, and he said, also, imagine if Michonne's response to Merle had been, you know, the last guy I was in a relationship with had no mouth and both of his arms chopped off, and you're only about a third of the way there. And then she cradles her katan and looks at Merle's remaining hand. How interested are you really? Um, he also says he thinks the best outcome he can see for this season, non-spoiler, is for prison survivors to launch an attack on Woodbury, and at the last possible moment, Herschel knocks Ricks out with his crutch while Andrew knocks out the governor. The battle's averted, and the two wake up in the middle of the Woodbury Arena with Herschel, Andrew, and Daryl installed as a new interim <laughs> triumvirate saying, there's only one room. There's only room for one crazy leader in a zombie apocalypse. Two shall enter, only one shall leave. Nice. Uh, he's watch. Like, finally, he says, uh, after seeing the Woodbury defenders, including Asthma Boy and Arthritis, uh, Arthritis Extra Without a Line, and the rough shape of our Atlanta survivors, I'm starting to feel like the final confrontation between the two survivor groups is going to be less Ragnarok and more like Cripple Fight from this South Park. <laughs> yeah. With Timmy and Jimmy. Uh, oh, boy. Uh, Sandra Cole thought that they missed an opportunity with Merle going on about his library bit. She thought the writers could have added another layer to the Dixon brothers' twisted childhood by having recalled the Bible passage based on his daddy appearing as a decent guy to the outside world, sitting with the boys in a front pew every week, and then beating the crap out of them in private. Hmm. Instead, they had Merle state that he spent a lot of time at Woodbury's library. Um, pissed off patrolling henchmen have loads of reading time, right? And two, the poster boy of racism chose to spend that time reading the Bible enough to quote it. She didn't find that that fit his character at all. Do you prefer, would you prefer her interpretation better than what they put forth? Yes. I like it. All right. Back to you. Okay. Uh, Tyler from the UK. He comments on I Ain't a Judas. He says it was the worst episode of season three. Do you agree with that? No, I think it wasn't. Didn't I say last week was the worst episode? Yeah, I think you did. Uh, he said it was slow, boring. No, and- that was the one I was pleasantly surprised by. Oh, it was the week before, before that. that that I was like, you know, down to three. He says it was both slow, boring, and poorly acted. Andrea can't carry an episode. No. We spent too long going over events from season two and even season 3.1. Just because Andrea needs to catch up on past events, that doesn't mean I want to hear about Shane, Randall, and T-Dog again. Tyrese joining the governor is understandable but annoying. <laughs> understandable but annoying. What was... Th- even the point of him being introduced if he's just going to become Rick's enemy. I think it's so he could become Rick's enemy. I want to echo that. I've seen Lori Holden be good in things. I don't know why she's so flat in this, whether it's the writing, whether she secretly doesn't want to be on the show. Um, I've only ever seen her in X-Files outside of this. She was really good in, I think it was The Fog or The Mist. One of those, mm. one of those things uh, where the giant like bug creatures... Oh, yeah, yeah. And they get stuck in a supermarket. Yeah. She was in that? Yeah. Wow. I thought she was really good in that. And I've seen her be pretty good in this show. I just don't know why she's so relentlessly unlikable this season. (laughs) I don't know. Blame it on the writers. Daniel W. says, I like the episode. I found it very telling that the group is in such dire straits that they give Merle an automatic weapon. Uh, though the gun nut in me cried when he didn't flip up the sights on his rifle. I liked how they shot the scene with Andrea talking to the group in the prison with them set up in a circle around her. It was like she was facing a tribunal. And that scene, placing Merle on a higher elevation so Andrea had to look up at him, must have been a deliberate decision. It has to sting for Andrea that Merle is now more trusted than she is. Wow. Yeah, I like that. Uh, Nick C., says, thought that the episode was too Andrea-centric, and they needed to start developing Tyrese's character more. 
but I'm afraid that if they do that, they will kill him off. Axel, T-Dog, the whole reunion took too long. If you're going to make the reunion basically the second half of the episode, at least have all the characters say what the governor has done to them. The most obvious is what he did to Maggie. It was kind of annoying that there was no mention of that. Seems like the show yeah. can right? Yeah. Glenn didn't say, yeah. I didn't yeah, even notice and, that, but what the fuck? Yeah. And this happened to me, and Maggie didn't say, yeah, and this happened to me. There's no way she would have gone back and not, you know. Or, it's once again, characters not talking. Not saying things that need to be said. But at least she got the cradle baby ass kicker. <sighs> show. Yeah. He says that was kind of annoying, and there was no mention of that. Uh, it seems like the show cannot have back-to-back episodes with tons of walkers. Anyone else notice that? I think you're going to lose the point. I think you're going to lose the point, Dexter. Bet he seems like a type of guy that will do anything to survive. The only way he dies is if the governor kills him. Yeah, you practice up on your fifth chugging skills because you're going to have to do that. Uh, Captain Noel Albano. Turns out that Dallas Roberts, the actor that plays Milton, might actually be the introvert that Jim suspected in last week's cast. Roberts did an interview with AMC in which he says. I was the guy literally in the chess club who decided to wear a bow tie for the last two years of high school. So I obviously wasn't trying to get the ladies. I understand that part of Milton. <laughs> That's uh, So maybe I was right about his character, not being so much of a character, <laughs> more of just him. Uh, Thaisa says, I laughed out loud when Blonde Nostrils, blonde, is that supposed to be Andrea? Turns to Michonne at the blonde prison nostrils. and yeah. says, yeah, yeah, what yeah, the hell have you been telling them? Uh, she is a little nostrily. Uh, if I turn my TV volume down at that moment, I could almost hear the collective viewership of Hudson County, New Jersey, cry out nothing in unison. Uh, only Merle could hear himself be compared to the Gestapo and agree without hesitation. Yeah. Um, oh, God. I don't know what this means. As Carol replicates Axel's ramen noodle soup recipe in the background. <laughs> I don't even know what that means, but it sounds funny. Uh, best racist ever. Uh, an award for best racist. <laughs> They need uh, uh, Mrs. Mrs. Obama to announce that one. Oh, boy. Oscar style. Yeah. Did you watch the Oscars? Uh, I did not. All right. Well, we won't talk I about heard about it, though. Uh, this is an interesting comparison. She also says, I must admit I love watching Milton, quote, Jack Tripper Mammoth soil himself <laughs> when confronted by a hungry walker. He's a wuss and he knows it. Yeah, yeah. He's kind of like Jack Tripper. Um. Lee from London says Merle and Daryl are back in the fold. Excellent work on this from the writers, mainly because, A, I'm glad to see Daryl back with the group, but also because Merle provides a good degree of conflict for the group, which makes dialogue-heavy episodes like this interesting instead of a pain, and helps develop Daryl's character and role in the group, which can only be a good thing. Secondly, what the fuck is up with Andrea? She's really bothering me, and her character is becoming more and more ropey. Oh, oh Yeah. Uh, he says, yes, I've used it again. Yeah, the uh, ropey. Ropey. Conjuring images in Aaron's <laughs> head. First, she kicks off because the governor is attacking her friends, then goes back, finds out that her friends are alive and were attacked first, then goes back, bones the governor, and doesn't bother to kill, or doesn't bother her ass to kill him. The Andrea of the first and second series was decisive and determined. You cannot tell me that she's in love with the governor or sees him as a force of good. Uh, it seems to me... I don't know if she's decisive and determined. She was bullheaded and gun crazy. Oh, she was. Let's all not... of the above. It seems to me more the writers don't know what they actually want to do with her character and instead have her screwing around to kill screen time. While I liked her scenes in the prison, her not killing the governor was neither a cliffhanger nor consistent with her character. What do you think about that? 
Yeah, I mean, that was my problem. I mean, clearly she's executing the Carol plan, and she went through the trouble of sleeping with a man who she should be kind of horrified by, and she didn't end up killing him. Yeah. And I I don't know. I don't know what the I, – I don't uh, – I spent <laughs> yeah, so much time – That's response. I just spent so much time defending Andrea last season because I thought everything she did was appropriate mm-hmm. in her situation – and kind of being down on Michonne, now I slowly am flipping, flip-flopping because I just find that, that it's getting harder and harder to defend her. And I even said, I think uh, I went on the season recap last year, I said, I'm going to give her like two episodes yeah, yeah, to get her shit together and get her story straight and then you know try to hook up with Rick. The Time's fact up. that three episodes in, she went there and back again, what the fuck? And I think you're... Her name ain't Bilbo Baggins. She should have just went there. <laughs> Stayed uh, there. I think your response is appropriate. I think you were kind of crazy if you weren't on her side about what she was doing at the beginning of this season. Yeah. Uh, not the beginning of this half season, the beginning of the real season. Yeah. Um, and you're kind of crazy now if you're not against her yeah. making decisions that she's making. Uh, so there's to all the fans who don't agree with me. <laughs> Graham H. Oh, no. Looks like Tyrese is going to give the governor the layout of the two rooms they were in while they were in the prison. Come on. Do they really expect us to believe that suddenly he knows the complete layout? Well, even he himself said it's confusing, which is true. I mean, it's really confusing. I don't even understand it. And we've seen hell it. Yeah. Day. Yeah. I mean, it's and it's dark and all this kind of stuff. So filled with blood. <laughs> Josh R says finally Michonne manages to string together words into sentences. Guess we should place her on death watch for achieving such a huge leap in character <laughs> development. But seriously, I'm glad that she is finally doing something besides scowling. They should have dispatched her to clear the yard with that samurai sword. I agree. She could have done she could probably take that yard back by herself. Yeah. It's just the gates are they they're not going to repair the gates. They're totally wrecked. Why? The car drove through them. They're laying in a heap in the middle of Man, the yard. Man, a fucking Woodbury They're built a ramshackle wall around their whole goddamn town. They can't seal up. That's horseshit. It, what are they going to do? Bend the gates back into shape and weld them on? No, park cars in front of it. I mean, yeah, it's it's a yeah. weak spot. Take, sure. take that van and push it down there. And Yeah, or there's a the – um, I, I, I just feel like – as many people they had that with with some leverage they could like roll that van that that bus back on its its side yeah. push that you know I, something just to give up and be like well we're in we're in Walker mode yeah yeah all right like instead of Waterworld is Walker World <laughs> uh, Josh R continues with a comparison that I really like speaking of scowling. Seeing Andrea's naked silhouette contrasted with her ferocious face reminded me of the old Seinfeld episode where they explained good naked and bad naked. Do you remember this? <laughs> no. She, her face looked like she was straining to open a jar of pasta sauce. <laughs> Do you remember it now? Oh. Where everything is like no, jiggling I, and straining and... Yeah, I Yeah, didn't. when you're naked, there are some activities you just shouldn't do. Yeah. And opening a jar is one of them, according to Jerry. Ah. Uh. So... Yeah, no, I mean, the thing is, is Lori Holden's a beautiful woman, except when she's showing any kind of emotion <laughs> other than, like, happiness. You're going to meet her one day and have to answer for your I comments. hope I don't make her cry. <laughs> I hope that's the, that's the last thing I want to do. Wow. All right. Um, Tom from Melbourne. Poindexter to Andrea. I wouldn't advocate a move like that. It's just posturing. When he said that in the city when uh, she asked if he knew. 
Um, is he trying to confuse Andrea with big words just to get around the, fa- the face? <laughs> Fostering is a big word. Fa- yeah, I, apparently. I guess it's three syllables. Uh, advocate is the big word, I think. Uh. Uh, to get around the f- fact that he, did, that he did know about the prison raid. Maybe he's finally catching on to her stupidity. Hmm? I don't this know. Is, I, I'm, I'm with him, man. Poindexter's smarter than he looks. Or acts. Uh, he goes on, despite all the hate for her this season, I really enjoyed having Andrea interact with the rest of the group in this episode. Kind of felt like a weight has been lifted, and it just cleared the air a little bit. My main problem with her the last few episodes is that there's been zero communication with the main group. That's not really her fault. She tried, but now it was nice to finally see it. Uh, he says, Tyrese is back. Yes, he is. Uh, I knew he was coming back this episode, and I'm really pleased to see the plausible situation he and his group are in. Except for one thing. He and his group left at the end of episode 9. All right, so he's doing a little bit of logistics here. Uh, he and his group left at the right. episode uh, at the end of episode 9. The next day, the governor left for the prison, rolled up and shot up, then went straight back to Woodbury. It, looked, it took Tyrese's group until at least the next day, possibly longer, to get halfway almost to Woodbury with no mention of a shootout. So he's calculating distances, roughly. And he says they don't add up. Well, wait. Especially if they didn't hear a shootout. Well, the fact that they didn't mention a shootout doesn't mean that they weren't actually involved in the shootout, you know? Yeah. What is this? So what's he trying to say? That they, the governor and, and those groups should have ran into each other? Uh, either that or they could not have made it to Woodbury in the amount of time that uh, that they said. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I'd have to th- I think about that. The logistics are not the strong point of the show. No. <laughs> But I will say that, that the, the, the play devil's advocate, Tyrese and his group are going, seems like, through the woods. There's like a mm-hmm. there's like an indirect route to the prison of Woodbury taking the roads. And then there's the direct route where you hoof it through the woods. And it seems like they were doing that. So they might have been far enough away that they didn't really hear the gunfire. And you got to wonder, how much gunfire do you hear in a zombie apocalypse? I yeah, bet it's question. not a – although that was a fucking you – know, that was something you would take notice of. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe he's got a point. But as you said, logistics are not this show's <laughs> strong point. Not at all. This show's strong point is killing zombies. Uh, he also agrees with your point um, and probably came up with this theory independently. Judith Ashkicker is a zombie, and he labels her a crawler. <laughs> <laughs> so he's more like a, More like a wriggler at this point. Yeah. Sheil in Michigan says, A coworker of mine was going on about how she hates the governor, Got me thinking about what kind of person he is and what he's trying to do. What I concluded is that we all live in Woodbury. Oh, she's going existential here. Ooh. Uh, she or he? I don't know what Sheil. Haven't we had this discussion before? Sheil? Specifically on this name? I feel like we have. We may have. We I'm have feeling, this every I'm time feeling, there's a name I don't I'm immediately I'm feeling Groundhog recognize. Day, yeah. Okay. Uh, he, she says, uh, the governor is just a slick-talking, power-hungry narcissist who leads this town. Does this remind you of any other heads of state? Yes, all of them. And while he's all nice on the outside, the residents are clueless about the extreme dark actions he takes to preserve the town and his rule. Don't we as citizens of this country do the same? Getting a little political up in here. We're drinking the delicious tea and kicking back, happy in our ignorance, while the very powerful at the top and their soldiers carry out morally questionable missions. Just as long as we're not burdened by the knowledge or responsibility necessary to keep our land safe. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> you're at a you're at an eight or a nine. I need you to get back to a five right. here, Jim. In this context, it becomes harder to judge the governor. I mean, I wouldn't want my sister to marry him, but maybe he could be in charge of shit. 
Also, Andrea is now a villain. She prefers the governor to bury his wood in Woodbury rather than stick with her friends at the prison. Well, I mean, so compare the governor to Frank Underwood for House of Car- in House of Cards. <laughs> okay. If you took Frank Underwood and dropped him in Woodbury, yeah, it'd, it'd be, be a he- worse, I think. Well, yeah, maybe worse. Yeah, uh, she's she he's got a good point. Uh, <laughs> Jesse B says, firstly, regarding your comments about Herschel being the embodiment of Dale, which I think you said last time, right? He's a, a fucking Dale upgrade. Yeah, definitely. Uh, he says, I'd have to disagree and say that Andrea fills that role. Andrea campaigns for peace and prosperity, as Dale would. She is against an innocent attack on innocent people, as Dale would be. She gave a speech to inject motivation into a town of the disheartened, much like I know Dale would have. Herschel, while a very good character, is not the show's new Dale. He approves of trusting a known, a known empty to help them attack a town. He approves of trusting a known empty. Town okay. enemy? Yeah, I, probably enemy. Yeah. Uh, Dale would not approve. Herschel does, does have the right idea, though, in my opinion. And furthermore, about Andrea, all the hate that she is getting is becoming annoying. Michonne is full of shit and accuses Andrea of choosing a warm bed over a friend. Michonne choose, chose to keep... I wake up in Bizarro World now? I'm down on Andrea and all the fans yeah. are, like, supporting her? I'm telling you, man. What the hell? We Someone here does not understand what's going on, and sometimes I feel like it's me. It's probably <laughs> us. Michonne is full of shit and accuses Andrea of choosing a warm bed over a friend. Michonne chose to keep her fucking mouth shut instead of supplying evidence, which she could have easily just walked up to Andrea with the governor's journal or told her about the bullet holes in the truck. Yeah, a little Miss Stubborn Pride is not exactly covering herself in glory here. Okay. Uh, Andrea stayed in Woodbury the same as I would have. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Let's take a look at the comparisons between crazy things happening in Woodbury and the prison. The governor is known to have experiments going. Carol tries to give birth to a zombie. What? <laughs> to give birth to... All right. I got to skip that. Sorry. <laughs> Carol is not giving birth to any zombies. Uh, Tiffany from Alabama says, After loving the first half of season three, I'm quickly becoming irritated and disappointed in the second half and the development of certain characters. I cannot, for the life of me, understand why Merle is being brought into the prison group and so heavily focused on over other characters like Michonne and Tyrese. Rick's leadership skills have always been lacking to me, but at this point I believe he really does need to step down. He told Daryl that Merle wasn't allowed in the prison, and I think he may have been that may have been the only decent decision Rick's made lately. Everyone loves Daryl, but to endanger and disregard everyone else in the group just to keep him around, not a good decision. Yet, when Daryl came back to the prison with Merle in tow, Rick did exactly that. He was all gung-ho about getting rid of Michonne and Tyrese's group, but keeps Merle. I also felt extremely bad for Glenn, as it seems like Rick's value... Uh, Rick doesn't value him as much as he values Daryl, despite the fact that Glenn seems to be more loyal to the group. Daryl left and came back, but he walked right over Rick in the process. That says a lot about how Daryl probably feels about Rick as a leader. Now, that's going a little too far. And also... Yeah, Glenn, I, I'm a, I like Glenn, but Glenn's no Daryl. Daryl's right. a one-man wrecking crew. Yeah. And, you know... So you're saying Daryl's getting the respect he deserves I think he's getting an appropriate Rick. amount of respect. Yeah. And if Glenn... The other thing is, I don't if think... If Glenn had a crazy racist brother, <laughs> well, do you think he'd be let in? I don't think Rick really believes that, that Glenn would leave the prison with Maggie. Yeah, you might be right about Where that. Where he does believe that if they, without any basis, 
just drum the Merle out that Daryl would be like, fuck you guys and leave. Oh, well, we know he would, right? And I'm also kind of thinking that maybe Rick's playing the long game where if Merle hangs around, he'll either will redeem himself or he will pull his shit and that he can count on Daryl to interdict that shit. Yeah, yeah. Because I think I'm also getting stronger and stronger that Daryl is the stronger of the two. Like, Merle uh, might think... Uh, yes, no, I fully believe that. The, I mean, the quote Raylan from Justified, Merle might very well think that he's the toughest son of a bitch that God ever strung a gut through, <laughs> uh, but Daryl is is smarter and tougher. Yes, I, I think you're absolutely right, and we've seen evidence of that in the show. And he wouldn't hesitate to end Merle if he acted against the survivors. I also, another personal belief in Really? Oh. You think that? Yeah. Like, if... if he chose Merle... At least for a short time. For maybe a very it was part. Short time. Maybe it was part of a plan to bring Merle back a in. Much, too. A big part of it, the guilt that he felt for, like you know, what happened to him. Yeah, for but, abandoning him. But you know, Merle kind of showing him, like, oh yeah, you are the dick I remember. Like if he like yeah. slapped uh, Carol or tried to hurt somebody or yeah, you know, if, or if he like stole a bunch of shit and left for the prison, Daryl make it his mission to kill Merle. You might be right. Yeah, I feel okay. like what he when when. Rick said it's on you that that that's like a blood oath to Daryl. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they he obviously has great respect for even the insane version of Rick. Yeah. So if Merle screws over the prison group, he better fucking kill Daryl in doing it. Okay, that sounds good to me. Uh, that's it for the non-spoilery feedback, which All means right. that's it for our show as well. Um, so a lot, some people have sent me some feedback saying, "Golly, we wish that." Uh, we you talk more comic book spoilers and whatnot. Uh, uh, send it to me. Like start a discussion. Uh, I'm caught up with all the comic books, um, which is I think episode 106 as of the time of this podcasting. So if you got some theories that you want to talk, delving into comics, send them in. But in lieu of that, we're just going to read the spoiler stuff we get sent in, which is the long form synopsis. Yeah. Uh, the overwhelming amount of feedback says to keep reading that, so we'll continue to do that. Yeah. I will say that we. If you don't mind like comic spoilers and light spoilers, but you don't want the whole episode spoiled, and I don't blame you, that we always do the light stuff up for a front. And then we always say, okay, we're about to read the heavy-duty spoilers. So like, there we kind of partition the megawatt spoilers from the just comic book spoilers and speculative spoilers. So yes. you're safe to listen to the music if you're afraid that we're going to spoil the episode. You'll You'll still have some warning after that. So... But other than that, if you want us to talk more about the comics and stuff, uh, please do. I mean, I, I bring up stuff when it comes to me, but, uh, um, you know, if, if you want to hear more of that, then send it in. And do that, if I can go into the outro sec sequence, by sending us uh, feedback at the Watching Dead, or at rather just Watching Dead at BaldMove.com. Uh, follow Jim on Twitter at BaldMove and me on Facebook.com slash BaldMove. And that's how you get us feedback. <laughs> okay. It's weird that I divorced that from the promo section. It yeah. feels like I should go on for another couple minutes. But nope. no, we're ready for spoilers. That's it. Thanks, for everybody, for listening. And we will see you next week for episode 12. Boom. Till then, I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. See you spoilers.
we're back with the spoiler section. Go ahead and run the preview for next week. On the next episode of AMC's The Walking Dead. You think he's crazy? No, I think he's dangerous. I'm going to do this. For a longer look at the next episode, I didn't know what to make of that. By the way, this is the dumbest thing we do in the podcast. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> on all of our we, podcasts, yeah, it's almost worthless. But <laughs> but it's tradition. We can't stop it. It is tradition. Um, what do you think about that episode? That looks like it's going to be something completely different yes. from what we've seen this entire season. Yes, and I don't know. I'm even more ambivalent now that I've seen the spoiler section. Um, See, I haven't read those massive spoilers yet. Yeah. So yeah. Fr- from what I've seen in the promo, it looks to be interesting to me because they're getting out of the prison. They're getting off of those two main sets that they've been on the entire time, and they're focusing one whole episode on, I assume, what is going to be – And, sp- and, and oh, my God. Carl Jr.'s, like, coming yeah. of age almost yeah. and his relationship with his father. Yeah, I got some more stuff to say, but we got to get deeper into the spoiler okay. section. You got any light spoilers? Because I got a couple of things to talk about. Uh, I believe there are a couple of emails. Uh, first, oh, I want me. It's all about me. It's yeah, my yeah. show. I want to talk first. Um, I'm really nervous about Tyrese, man. Well, I thought, because in the comic books, as you well know, Tyrese is introduced almost immediately. Okay. And he famously is executed be- before the final battle of the prison by the governor. Yep. And I always assume, since they're bringing him in at this late date... That that's what he they were would do with him. No, that he would survive post prison, and they oh. were cha- they're altering that part of the storyline. But now that he's going to Woodbury, yeah, and the way the governor had this kind of odd, demented smile when he's like, you know, once he heard that he knew the Rick, the problem is that Rick doesn't give a shit about Tyrese, right? I but I they just, can't do the same thing they did before. I just feel like you know, Mazzara got fired for a reason. <laughs> this is it. He tried to pull the same trick with Tyrese. If you T-Dog slash Oscar. <laughs> One more time. <laughs> Tyrese, uh, that it's it's just a waste of a good character and a good actor, man. Yeah. So I'm really worried that they're going to go down that path and that it's mm-hmm. not going to have the emotional punch because who gives yeah, it, a shit? Because it can't. No. Yeah. Um, the other thing I'm worried about is if they don't do that, are they going to try to stretch this prison arc out for another season? Oh, they can't. They could. <laughs> no. They stretched one issue of the comic yeah, for a whole fucking season. season. So, um, I. But you saw that went over like a lead balloon. Everybody hated season two. Yeah. Every it was unanimous. Nobody thought it was even close to as good as season one. Um. So I asked you this in the main uh, cast. I want to ask you in the spoiler section. Do you think the governor wants the prison? Because in the in, no. In the comic, he had a definite hard-on for the prison. He has said in this show that he does not care about the prison. That was post-invasion. That was post-Penny uh, dying. That was Pre, right? That pre, that before yes, all yes, this. yes, you're right. Yeah, no, I get you. But he he is – I don't think he's changed his mind on that. I think he just wants to kill Rick now. Right. I also like I in the comics – Rick's group has taken like multiple people hostage or like you know when they when a stranger walks in 
basically they're beaten senseless and bound. And I like to compare their reaction, uh, their friendly reaction. So that, that's happened to two characters I can think of. And they're like pretty much, yeah, we understand this is the world we live in. Yeah. And we're not going to act like offended and crazy because that's just going to make – that's just going to you know validate your treatment to you. We're going to be cool and understand and that way gain your trust. Mm-hmm. Comparison that to Andrea's like, Rick, let me in. Are you alone? Rick, let me in. When do you think – because I'm impatient for the – uh, TV show to kind of catch up to the comics and that they're kind of matter of fact about, you know, people stop talking about what a shithole world they live in and they're just living in it, you know? Uh-huh. Uh, do you think that we're ever going to get to the point where we won't see scenes like that? Huh. Um, it definitely depends on how long the show runs. I don't see any into it. But, yeah. I mean, if they don't evolve it to there, what's the point? Yeah. I mean, the, the world I, is evolving. These people are evolving with it. There needs to be a point. I, I kind of felt like it was a little insulting how naive Andrea acted. Like she really thought that she's going to get open arm treatment after she, you know, I don't. I know she didn't know what, everything that these people had gone through, but yeah, you know, I, I don't know. Um, no, you're right. So that's that's why I had. I also had one Facebook uh, comment that was kind of spoilery from Amelia Nightshade. She said. Uh, Bear with me for a minute, but does anyone think that they'll make another love interest for Rick? Um, in the comic book, he has a love interest with Andrea of late. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, it's Beth. Oh, Jesus Christ. The jail, jail bait in jail. <laughs> uh, she says, I don't think they'd have Andrea whoring it up with Shane, the governor, then Rick. She also said Carol would be a definite no, seeing how her and Daryl have their flirty thing going on. Michonne can't even get two consecutive lines in a row to be made a love interest. If Beth is too young, Jim... And would be better for Carl. <laughs> A.K.A. Axel. And seeing how I don't think Rick is quite crazy enough to start pay- playing for the other team, the only person I could see is Maggie. It kind of makes sense with her shutting Glenn out and Rick grieving over Lori's death. Do you think in any universe that they will have Maggie ditch Glenn for Rick or kill off Glenn to make room for her and Rick? Uh, I can't see her leaving Glenn while he's alive, honestly. I think they're well, could they're Glenn... too compatible. Could Glenn? Yes, I think Glenn could get the axe. Yeah, uh, which I don't want to see. No. But, How but far are yeah, you in the could. comics? Uh, I am just barely past what I've seen in the show. Oh man, you need to knock. You need to spend a weekend to knock that out. Do I? Yeah. All right. Because it's it's hard for me to talk more without. I don't care. Spoil it. Well, they you know the day like right around issue one hundred they kill Glenn. Okay. So, I just, so you think they'll do that in the show? Well, I, I feel like Kirkman is just kind of shuffling the cards that he's already got in the story. Yeah. It's so like everything that happens in the comic will eventually happen or a funhouse version of it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, you know, in, 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 in my mind, I think Kirkman only has character shields for really Rick and Carl and, the, and really only for Carl at the end. If this runs for 300 episodes, yeah. I expect it to be that Carl's 18, Rick is dead, Carl's leading some ragtag band of, you know, somewhat settled survivors. It turns into like a post-apocalyptic <laughs> Prince Valiant. That's okay. where I see the show going. And I'm 
I'm wondering why they're doing this remixed version of The Walking Dead. Yeah, it's like why? I understand if you're, there's mistakes you made changing it up, but changing for the sake of changing, I think, yeah. is very overrated. And they have to be doing that at this point because not everything in the comic was a mistake. No, so no, there's lots of good. In fact, that's what I'm saying. Uh, they've changed almost everything. It, I mean, in the show, there are some even things in the prison they could have changed. Because honestly, I, I thought that the governor in the prison was very cartoonish and one dimensional. Yeah. So I like the fact that they, they they gave him a little bit extra depth. Mm-hmm. But you know, mechanically, the prison plotline worked out very well. And why they're you know, it'd be kind of like if uh, in Game of Thrones, if they made substantial deviations. Um, for no real reason. For no real reason. Yeah. yeah. Um, they don't have like any any you know compunction to to have like a particular arc be a season or you know like because yeah. Game of Thrones they have this lengthy book and they have to condense it down to a season or two. Yep. To so make they things have work. To so they have to out. change things out and leave things out. But the comic book, it's like just take the best stuff. Yeah. And change the stuff that didn't work. You know, if you think cutting Rick's hand off is a mistake, which I kind of agree, uh, make that change. But wholesale, you know, arbitrary changes, I don't understand uh, what Kirkman's doing here. Hmm. Um, anyway, that's that's all I had. Do you have any light spoilers before we go into the big stuff? Um, yeah, I've got a couple emails here, um, which are not super spoilers, uh, one of which I debated whether or not to put in the spoiler section at all, but it has very light spoilers, so I'm going to do it. Do it. Uh, it's Dave Maresca from uh, one of our rivals. Yeah. Uh, from the DVM Podcast Empire, dvmpe.com. Uh, he's kind of like a one-man show over there doing his own podcasting thing. Uh, and I'm always like, I don't know how you do a one-man show consistently like it's that. hard we've I've tried it, it no we've, we've only done, done it once i've done it a couple times and you've done your um npr style music show oh that's true but i was playing music all i had to do was introduce some music and yeah yeah go. but when you don't have anything to anybody else to bounce ideas off of it seems right, more right, difficult. right yeah anyway so he does that over there uh he wrote in and said okay now it's obvious there's been uh, there has never been a true adherence to the comic book in this TV adaptation, as we were just talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, in many ways, this was something I loved about the show at first, in, it, in that it created two versions of the story. Uh, people could choose to like one over the other, or cherry-pick the parts they like of both, and have this overall experience called The Walking Dead. Sure. As Sunday's chapter concluded, I was left with a bewildered, almost betrayed feeling about how they're handling the show. First, there was a complete mishandling of Michonne from the get-go, and mm-hmm. I'm glad they actually had Andrea and Michonne address this in the dialogue between them at the prison. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately for me, I agree with Andrea. Michonne started acting like a complete biatch from the moment they arrived in Woodbury, and since the governor didn't rape the crap out of her like he did in the comic, she really has no reason to be so pissed off. What? He did She did send a death squad after her, Dave. He did do that, yes. <laughs> uh, he goes on, despite that fact, it's like they were continuing... Or they were counting on the audience's knowledge of Michonne from the comic to carry over and justify how she's been behaving. Mm. You know, I thought Andrea calling her out on it was one of the best things accomplished in this episode. I also get the feeling that Michonne <clears throat> is a jilted, unrequited love type uh, with Andrea now. I think lover type. Mm. That's what he meant. Uh, so different from the book. Mm. That is true. Uh, I tend to discount any theory that has them thinking or worrying about the fans of the comic book at all because the... Comic book subscription is much less than 100,000, and this show is yeah, pulling yeah. in 10 million viewers. 
So oh, yeah. So so like if if they're trying to do things for the fans of the comic, that's really stupid. I do feel like there's probably some pressure from Kirkman um, to do a little bit of that, and the people who are on the creative team who are really like, we want to be true to the tone of this comic. Um, I I'm certain there's some of it, but you're right. You've got to serve the. <laughs> The 11 million other people who haven't read the comic. Mm-hmm. Uh, he goes on. Next, Rick has lost his shit. Like, off the friggin' reservation, not capable of leading, and it's making him a difficult hero to root for. After last week's assault on the prison, I thought I saw Rick snapping out of it, but this week he was no better. I also get the idea that the writers are having a tough time remembering what characters know what about recent events. Because of his reaction, or because his reaction to Andrea was completely unnecessary. And only served to help support the governor's lies about Rick's group being violent and changed from when Andrea last knew them. So we did talk about that a little bit. And I think we, we came down kind of on both sides of that. Yes, um, it does serve the governor's uh, lies there. But it was kind of an appropriate response in this world and with the shit they've been through. Yeah, that's my, that's my take. Uh, finally, the piece that's making me completely lose what little faith I had in Kirkman as this season has developed. Tyrese joins the governor. Yeah. If you need any help dealing with those guys, whatever we have to do to earn our keep. To me, this is too far over the line. I completely agree there. Yeah. Too different. Almost makes me feel like the writers have zero idea of what they're doing. I know this is strictly uh, because since halfway through season two, I've known what lies ahead for our group as far as the compendium one of the comics. I knew the prison arc. I knew things like Rick and Tyrese were on the level of best friends by the time they reached the prison together and cleared it out. Uh, To see things being remixed like they are, the telephone appearing so early, Lori dying in childbirth, Rick seeing her ghost and going crazy while still in conflict with the governor, feels like they're mixing things up strictly for the sake of mixing things up. This is just what we were talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, And not for the sake of making an awesome show. I mean, you all pointed out yourselves how Herschel is all, Rick, you need to step away, you need some rest, one minute, and is, Rick, you you almost have to come back, or are you almost ready to come back the next? It's like, make up your damn minds, have the balls to be professional TV show runners, make gutsy, risky decisions, stick with them, and tell your story. No, so. I, I'm, I'm totally on, on board with that. I think what they're really verging on, the unforgivable, how they're handling Tyree so far. Okay. So I'm I'm with you on that. I don't agree with everything you said, but that that's I don't think is very controversial at all. Yeah, there's certainly a tone to that email that I agree with. <laughs> Nixie says, "Do you think Daryl will take Tyrese's spot in the comics by getting executed by the governor?" I don't know what evidence we have to support that, mm. and he doesn't provide any, so I will okay. say no. <laughs> I do not think that. Uh, do you think the uh, think the Andrea? That Andrea is the one that will eventually kill the governor like Lily in the comics. That's I hope that would happen this episode. Strong. And you know what she's yeah. talking about, right? I do not know that. No, I haven't read to, to where governor dies. I just think that – because so, so Lily is just some random chick in the comics. So it's like you know a, a soldier in Woodbury, and she sees him gun down Lori and Judith and – then you know sacrifices the governor in kind of like the climax as everybody flees the overrun prison. Hmm. Um, I don't feel like they can string Andrea along for that much more with the audience completely losing engagement with her unless they're planning on killing her off. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, it's interesting, and uh, I, I have no idea. 
Okay. I'm kind of confused and lost. <laughs> um, Adam M. writes in, Hey, guys, I just checked IMDb, and it says Morgan is in the next episode. We will definitely get Confirmed. to that in the spoilers. Uh, and Morales and his family are in the last episode. Uh, if Morgan coming in is true, they're really rushing the entire plot. Morales? The is that the guy that took off in the first season? Who's Morales? Uh, yeah, Morales is the dude okay. who took the jalopy off. Okay, yeah, all yeah, right. season one with his, huh, his old family. Um, if Morgan coming in is true, they're really rushing the entire plot line of the comics. Also, I do not believe that Morales and that crew should ever return to the show, especially in the last episode of season three. Wait. Morales isn't the Vatos group, is he? I don't know. Man, it's been like three years since we've... Look that up while I'm, I am. while I'm reading the rest of this. Okay. I was looking forward to the slow character development of season four, but now if they kill Morgan in the next episode, uh, it says yeah, he's he is the dude in the season, rest. He's the dude from season one. That was with Rick and He said, Kane's I got to do what's best for my family yeah, okay. and I'm taking off. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we will lose another good plot. Fantastic. Way to go, Mazera and company. Last appearance, so his, Wildfire. That's the one where they decide whether they're going to go to the CDC or not. Yeah. Um, Mike from North Carolina, possible comic slash show spoilers. Uh, I was just listening to the spoilers at the end of your home podcast, and you said Tyrese is going to join the governor. Uh, yes, he, he does that. Mm-hmm. If that's true, then the governor might take Tyrese with him, and the next time he assaults the prison and when he gets to the gate – he cuts Tyrese's head off, like in the comic. What good's that going to do? It, none. Not zero. Rick uh, kicked him out of the prison without ever even talking to him. Eh. I don't believe the show will have so many dominant male characters in the group at the same time, i.e. Rick, Daryl, Glenn, Merle, and Tyrese. Doubtful. I hope he cuts Andrea's head off, to be honest, but whatever. <laughs> Love the cast. Um, that's it for the minor spoilers. Okay. Are we ready to, to yeah. turn back now unless you want to hear the whole synopsis for next week read? Yeah. 1.21 gigawatt, gigawatt spoilers, spoilers. Uh, Thank you to Jesse B. and Jasper for sending in uh, the spoilers once again. Uh, let me take a sip of the whiskey. You're going to need it on this long one. All right. A car drives by a sign that reads, E-Rin, we tried for Stone Mountain. Uh, Michonne is driving with Carl in the back seat and Rick is riding shotgun. They approach a guy with a big orange backpack walking down the road. He sees him, tries to get him to stop, but they keep on motoring. They approach abandoned cars in the road. Michonne drives into dirt to go around. But when she tries to get back onto the road, the car doesn't move because they're stuck in the mud. Carl and Rick at Michonne, they're kind of annoyed. And suddenly their car is swarmed by walkers. Um... Unfazed, Michonne looks at the nearest walker, and she observes as a bracelet on it that reads Erin. <laughs> uh, so she didn't make it to the Stone Mountain. Yeah. After sitting for a few seconds in silence, Rick turns to Carl, tells him to cover his ears, rolls down his window just a crack, sticks the m- m- nozzle of his revolver out, and blows the back of the walker's head off. Holy tinnitus, Batman. <laughs> I forgot to do – that reminds me. I forgot to do Zombie Kill of the Week because there were none. It was terrible. Oh, wait, it was a zombie, the zombie maim of the week. Yeah, it wasn't a kill, though. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, and Dumbass Survivor. Yeah. They're all, they all win at this week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cuts, to, cuts to Rick going through the suitcase and finding a dress. He takes the dress and wraps it around some branches. He shows Carl to use the branches to gain traction and get the car out of the mud. Carl blames Michonne for getting stuck, but Rick says it was an honest mistake. He asks, why did you bring Michonne... Uh, because she left 
them in Woodbury, and Oscar died because of it. Risk, Rick insists he asked her to come because he couldn't leave her at the prison with Merle, and they have common interests, so they work together. Carl says, just for now. Rick says, just for now. But Schoen's sitting in the car listening to this whole conversation. Behind them is the guy that they drove by, is running towards them, yelling for them to help and don't abandon him. They get into the car. Uh, they get the car out of the mud and drive off before the guy gets close. Cut to the intro. The car pulls in front of a police station where Rick used to work. What the fuck? Wait, what? They go back where to are Cynthiana, they? Kentucky. That's a long drive. Speaking of logistics, that's 409 miles to drive. <laughs> Didn't we establish get... that it took him like a week to get from there to Atlanta on well, horseback? I mean, yeah, on horseback, but still drive. Google says it's a six-hour drive. You really can't think of anywhere <laughs> closer to get weapons? Holy cow. What the hell's going on in the prison all this time? Yeah. What happens if your car breaks down? What happens if you can't find gas? That's insane. This can't be true, right? It's. uh, I don't doubt it, it, but I'm already pissed. Okay. (sighs) Okay. The car pulls into the car station where Rick used to work. The armory has been completely cleaned out. Rick is annoyed. Michonne asks if there are any other police stations in town. Rick says he was the police. Judge Dredd style. And it wasn't a big town. Rick gets an idea that he can get a few guns from places where he signed the permits for, like bars, stores, etc. Michonne picks up a single bullet and hands it to Rick. Uh, he takes it and put it, puts it in his pocket. Tells him the next one's coming faster. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is an Andy Griffith joke. This is uh, – Do- what's Don Knotts' character? I don't know. Uh, shit. Barney? Yeah, Barney. Barney this Fife. is the Barney Fife move. Yeah, yeah. All right. As they walk into the town, they see a pile of burnt bodies with gas canisters all around. As they continue to walk, they notice yellow arrows painted on the walkway leading to something. As they turn in the corner, they see something strange. Behind them painted on the wall reads, no guilt. You know that. The middle of the street is filled with traps. Spray painted in front of them reads, turn around and live. The trio continued walking. Inside each booby trap is a caged live bird or rat. Rick stays a couple of, uh, says a couple of places are up ahead and they get uh, what they can and get out of there. As they continue, a walker appears in the distance behind them. Carl points them out and they watch as the walker gets caught in a trap. Suddenly a shot rings out and the walker drops to the ground, re-dead. They look up, and there's a masked man pointing a gun at them, telling them to drop what they got and go. Guns, shoes, and the sword. He starts counting to ten. Michonne whispers, she thinks she can get up there. As the countdown gets to seven, Rick yells for Carl to go and starts firing at the masked man. We should do, to punch this up, we should make a dramatic reenactment of all these. (laughs) Community theater style. Yeah, yeah, that'd be good. A firefight ensues. Rick takes cover when he runs out of bullets. He reaches to a pocket and takes out the one bullet Michonne gave him. Oh, God. When he turns back to fire, the masked man is gone. So he blows his brains out. Michonne appears on the roof, but she doesn't know where the shooter is. Suddenly, the shooter appears on the street and has Rick pinned down. As Rick is ready to stand up and turn fire, Carl appears and shoots the guy in the stomach. Boom, Carl. Dropping him to the floor. They lift the guy's shirt to reveal that he is wearing body armor. What? Knocked unconscious from... And is just knocked unconscious. They take his shot. mask off, and get this! It's Morgan. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Rick tells Michonne he's not going to leave Morgan in the street. He tells her to watch for booby traps. They talk. They look into the building where Morgan came from and Bef- determine... Before he decides that, he should check him for a walkie-talkie. If he's got it, leave him. Because <laughs> he's an <laughs> asshole. <laughs> uh... 
Uh, Rick remembers about Dwayne as Rick is about to step on the welcome mat. Michonne reminds him about booby, booby traps, so he lifts to reveal a puddle of water with a live wire running through it. As they carry Morgan up the stairs, there's a curtain at the top that reads, Not shitting you. <laughs> awesome. That curtain is the new door for the bathroom, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I want to put that sign on my like all, like all my downstairs guest bathroom. Not, yeah. you know, not shitting you. Uh, Rick stops Michonne before she trips uh, a wire running across the stairs. They proceed through the curtain. On the other side of the curtain is an axe propped with blood. Covering it suggests the booby trap had been tripped recently. As they enter the main room, there's an arsenal. Weapons everywhere. Michonne asks if these are the weapons from the armory. Rick says the weapons and armory aren't even half of what is in this room. They lay the still unconscious Morgan on the bed and begin to gather weapons. There is writings all over the wall. Rick is realizing that Morgan has been here for a long time and he might have lost his mind. Takes one to no one there, Rick. Yep. As he goes through a trunk of weapons, he comes across a walkie-talkie he gave to Morgan. Rick is visibly upset, but his attention is quickly turned to the wall in front of him, which le- reads, Dwayne Turn. Rick stops Michonne and Carl Ooh. from gathering more weapons. He says they're going to wait for Morgan to wake up and make sure he's okay. Oh, Jesus Christ, they're fucking this up from the comics, too. Uh, Dwayne is his kid, right? Yes. Damn. Michonne objects, saying that the axe, the spikes in the street, the writings on the wall all point to Morgan being dangerous. Rick insists they're going to wait, and that's final. Carl walks in the next room and finds a map of the town that Morgan has drawn. Rick wrote, Rick's house burnt on the map. Carl states their house is gone. Rick realizes that Carl just wanted to come to see their house one more time. But Carl wants to go around the corner and get a crib from a store from where they're at. At first, Rick objects, but Michonne volunteers to go with him, and Rick allows it. Why the hell not? Outside, Carl tells Michonne that she doesn't have to come, but she said she told her dad she would help. As their walker appears, Michonne dispatches it. Carl tries to lose her. Michonne quickly catches up to him, and Carl says he wants to do this on his own. Michonne points out that Carl passed the baby place, but Carl says he wants to get Judith something else first. Rick is standing over Morgan and says he's sorry this happened to him. When he turns around and walks away, Morgan opens his eyes, grabs a knife that's under the bed. Rick then finds a rifle he gave to Morgan. Morgan lunges at Rick, but Rick knocks him down to the butt of the rifle. Bam! Rick is trying to make Morgan, Morgan remember him, but Morgan is just speaking nonsense. Morgan gets the better of Rick and drives a knife into Rick's shoulder. Rick, in a rage, throws Morgan's off him and draws his gun, but quickly regains his composure. Good thing he didn't do, pull this shit two weeks ago <laughs> where yeah. Rick almost ended uh, Glenn. Morgan begs Rick to kill him. Rick is tending to his wounds and trying to convince Morgan that he's a friend. Rick shows him the walkie-talkie that Morgan now remembers. Nice. He asks, what happened? Rick explains he kept trying, but he kept being pushed further and further out of their radio range. Morgan is angry because he feels Rick gave up finding Morgan once he found his family. Fuck you, Morgan. You're supposed to go to Atlanta. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you stayed in Cynthia. Yeah, walkie-talkie. That's a damn sight outside of the range down in Atlanta, 409 <laughs> miles away. Morgan's angry because he feels Rick gave up trying, blah, blah, blah. Morgan explains how he could never kill his wife with the gun Rick gave him. One day, Morgan went down to the cellar for food. When he came back up, his wife was standing right in front of Dwayne because why not? Morgan <laughs> called out to Dwayne, who turned to look at his father. Walker Jenny was then on Dwayne, and Morgan just saw red and finally dropped her, but it was too late. Morgan goes on to say he was selfish and weak, and Rick and his boy will die because the good people always die, but so do the bad people. The meek, the weak people like him, they will inherit the earth. The weak will inherit the earth? Yep. Poindexter. It's all (laughs) over it. 
Carl, <laughs> going to be Rick and or uh, Poindexter and Morgan. <laughs> Carl Michonne approach the front doors of King Ca- the King County Cafe. Carl looks in and sees dead bodies all around. He's about to enter when Michonne stops him. Carl says this is none of her business, and she is only around for the common interest, and she can't stop him. She says to him, she can stop him, but he can't stop her from helping him. What the fuck? Anytime you're having an argument with a 12-year-old, you've already lost. (laughs) (sighs) The front door of the cafe opens up, and the caged rodents from Morgan's Trap are thrown in. (laughs) All the dead bodies are walkers that come to life and try to get at the caged animals. As the walkers are distracted, Carl and Michonne sneak in and make their way to the counter. Carl stands on the counter, retrieves something hanging on the wall. As he grabs it, a walker appears from behind the counter, grabs Carl, but before any noise can be made to alert the distracted walkers, Michonne drives her sword into the zombie's head. Michonne helps Carl down and begin to sneak back out of the cafe when one of the animals runs past them, bringing the walkers face-to-face with the dynamic duo. They fight their way out to the front door, but Carl drops what he came for, and before he can pick it back up, Michonne pulls him out of the cafe and closes the door. They argue about going back in as Carl yells, It's the only one left! Michonne says he will, she will go back if he promises to stay put. Carl agrees, and Michonne sneaks around back. Carl is standing up against the door for a minute when Michonne reappears and hands him his prize. A picture of Rick, Lori, and Carl. What the fuck is that picture doing in that cafe? I don't know. Maybe he the, had like a hamburger eating championship there. <laughs> <laughs> Rick was known for his abilities. Did did was Lori a waitress or was I thought she was like a school teacher? Uh, I don't know what she was. Hamburger eating champion. <laughs> Apparently so. Um anyway, uh Carl explains he just wanted Judith to know what Lori looked like. Michonne graces up with us with another smile and they walk back to Morgan's place. Michonne says that she had to go back in anyway and pulls out a bright multicolored statue of a cat. I couldn't leave this behind. It's just too damn gorgeous. Okay. Oh, God. Michonne's going to get shot in the head at the end of this episode. <laughs> There's too much character development happening. Yep. Rick says, I'm not going to kill you, Morgan. I want you to come back with us. He explains there is a prison that keeps them out, and it is safe. Morgan lets Rick know that he figures Rick is taking a lot of guns and asks why he needs all those guns. Because if they got something good, that means someone just wants to take it. Rick says they are going to win. Morgan tells him that Rick and Carl are going to be ripped apart by teeth and bullets. (laughs) And he doesn't want to see that happen. Rick still pushes for Morgan to go back with him, but Morgan refuses. Rick takes his arsenal and leaves. Rick walks out the building and meets up with Carl and Michonne who are carrying a playpen. They pass Morgan, who's removing the walkers from the various traps. Carl turns around and calls out to Morgan, telling him that he had to shoot him. Morgan nods his head, understanding, and Carl apologizes. Morgan says, Carl tells Carl not to ever be sorry. Hmm. As Rick, Michonne, and Carl are loading the car, Rick asks Carl if everything went okay with Michonne. Carl tells Rick that he thinks she can be one of us. To Rick's surprise, Carl gets... Carl gets in the car, and Rick is staring out in the distance. Michonne asks Rick if he sees something, and Rick looks puzzled. Michonne, he's really honing his puzzled look this season. Yep. Michonne explains that he knows he sees things. He sees people. She used to talk to her dead boyfriend that, hey, it happens. Rick asks Michonne to drive because he sees these things. She smiles again, and they drive off. As they drive out of town, they see Morgan placing the fresh walkers on a pile of burnt bodies. They drive further down, and they approach the roadblock they passed before. As they drive further down the road, they see blood, guts, and a body part sprawled across the roadside, finally passing a big orange backpack. 
The car stops, goes in reverse, and stops alongside the backpack. Rick opens the door, takes the backpack, and they drive off. Aside wow. from the horse shit that is them going back to Cynthiana at this stage of the plot, mm-hmm. it sounds like a pretty decent set piece yeah. slash character development episode. I do not have a problem with it. I think we're going to get a lot of character development with Carl and Michonne. And again, and, Car- and Rick walks away the huge-ass arsenal, which is probably going to pay off in the war ahead. Yep, and a backpack full of dog food. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay. So, yeah, I, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. I've got some logistic problems, but what the hell? This is The Walking Dead. All right. Well, this shit has gone on far too long. We're pushing two hours here. Holy shit, really? Yep. All right. So thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll see you next week.